This week, we begin in Terralingua, where a beloved bar owner's death shocks and confuses a tight-knit community. We then move east to Austin, where a God-fearing housewife is murdered, and everyone involved is just fucking weird. Welcome to episode 44 of Texas 1030. We're on the Deep Eddie Lemon and uh, Crystal Light diet. Yeah, it's Crystal Light Raspberry Lemonade. And Goldfish. We're not going to tell anyone the recipe because that's top secret. It is top secret. Unless you want to die. Which is very (laughs) on theme. This is Cassie and Hannah. This is Texas 1031, and this is a Texas true crime podcast. Um, we talk about murder and rape and pedophilia. Did I say murder? I think you said yeah. murder. Arson? Murder? Murder. Yeah. Okay, cool. Murder? Yeah, murder. Murder. Um, yeah, welcome to the first episode of 2019. Yay! Yay! My hat's going to hit this whole thing. Oh, yeah, well. The whole time. We had a very long Christmas break. Yeah, we got a lot of lot to break. talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Catching up. Um, do you want to get started and talk about recommendations? Yeah. Podcast business? Yeah, I don't know if we have any podcast business, but I, I have do. a recommendation. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, if you want to start. <clears throat> oh, God. this I need to just put my hair up. It's fine. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, recommendations. Go for it. So I started binging um, this podcast called Believed, and it's an NPR podcast, and it's about the trial, like everything that led up to... Um, that fucking piece of shit loser Larry Nasser, who mm, sexually abused the doctor? hundreds, yeah. yeah, hundreds of girls in the USA gymnastics program, and he's a real pile of shit. And they did a really good job. It's very trigger warningy, though. So believed. it's vi- believed. Okay, yeah, very hard to listen to. Very much recommended, though. It's, okay, yeah, it's good. That sounds terrifying. It's horrible. Oh god, it was so bad. I'm crying like in the car on the way to accounts. Like it's bad but it's important absolutely especially i mean regardless of what kind of climate our country's in it's always important that's cool Mm -hmm. um on a lighter note i'm gonna uh recommend some movies that i finally got around to watching over our month-long little uh break (laughs) was it really a whole month yeah i mean i'm pretty sure we recorded right before christmas and then i had the flu so i didn't get the episode out until like almost new year's eve oh that's right and yeah then i was out of town for like two yeah. weeks and then i was hung over when i wasn't <laughs> yeah cassie got in touch with her 2010 emo self I and did. had a good time i had what reddit calls <laughs> a bang over which is oh. when you headbang so much that your neck hurts horribly and you can't hold it up and i was like i think that's just being in your mid-20s uh-huh. that's just I, all the time yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to kill myself <laughs> <laughs> all right so first off um i actually watched the movie gone baby gone which is about like a kidnapped child and like police corruption oh. it's from like 2007 so i don't know why it took me that long to watch it but it was on netflix and i was like hey this is it that. like one of awards i don't know ben affleck casey affleck that kind of shit it was really good so 
whatever it was my jam so i watched it um so secondly scott and i made a list of movies that like either one of us like one of us hasn't seen them so he's recommending certain movies that i haven't seen and then vice versa and every time we hang out we watch a different movie so like one night he chooses something i should watch the other night barf you guys are i know we're so gross i love it um So he was like, it's all like mob mafia shit that I hate because obviously that's why I haven't watched them because it's just I don't find that interesting, but I'm going to commit to the commitment of the list. (laughs) But I finally watched Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Oh, okay. I've seen half of Reservoir and I've seen Pulp Fiction. Yeah. I'm not a Quentin Tarantino person, so I really had to buck up for these. I'm not a fan, but I really loved Reservoir Dogs, so I'm going to recommend Reservoir Dogs and Gone Baby Gone. Cool. Um, and then do we want to talk about um, Let's Not Meet? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's one of back. our fave podcasts is back. Hey. Cassie texted me and was like, holy shit, he's coming back. Like brand new sort of season situation. And I know that I like talked about it months ago. So for people that aren't familiar, it's a true horror podcast. He reads mm-hmm. off the stories that are posted on the uh, Reddit forum of let's not meet yeah basically it's like true or true stories about like crazy shit yeah and really he does a really great job yeah he does it and and he like transitioned i think we talked about it when he like mm-hmm. transitioned from doing that yeah. to doing his own it fiction writing and, yeah. and it was that was really good so mm-hmm. i think it was just by popular demand people were like you know what i love what you're doing now but yeah. We also love this so yeah, we're happy he's back he's hannah back. recommended it to all of us me included and ago. fucking stoked to have that back in my life brennan listens yeah it's pretty hard brennan started listening to last podcast on his own wow. he's always really enjoyed them but it's always taken like car road trips for us to listen and it was because of me he didn't want to do that he might have me. he might have he had to be on the same level he had to be left <laughs> behind just like you know it's fine um okay podcast news for people that are listening yeah um, so things that have been happening, I'll go over some like fun things that have uh, occurred social media wise. But first off, I actually went to a tap takeover release um, thing last week for Parish Brewing. Yeah. And I ran into Ralph and Josh, two of the hosts of a fellow Houston podcast, Aww. which is Beer, Blood in the Bayou. Yay. So that was cool to meet them uh, in person. They were super nice and normal. How did you can I ask, how did y'all figure out you guys were each other? Uh, I, cause I, we follow each other's like personal accounts. So Ralph is like really big in on like social media. So Got it. I think he was like, I think that's her. And Josh was like, no, I don't know. Okay. And like I waved. So I was like, yeah, I know cool. what they look like, but I didn't know if like you overheard that. Like, cause I know they do live. Yeah. Yeah. They've been doing from, some live podcasting. Recently, yeah, yeah. And it's really cool. Like they're mm-hmm. always literally right in my neck of the woods. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I've always wanted to be like, fucking a, like, let's. Hop over there and have a beer with them, but yeah, it was cool. It was kind of bizarre, like meeting, like hearing them in person. You know, they were like, "Oh, you sound just like you," and I'm like, well, "Obviously, no fucking shit, it's me." <laughs> but it was like Ralph didn't sound like him, but Josh did. I don't know. It was strange. No, that's but, one of my favorite things. Yeah, to it was see really bizarre. The face connected with the voice. Yeah, it's, yeah. But Ray, or excuse me, Brower, Brower wasn't there, and he's my favorite. I think so. Brower is the one I've talked to on social media before yeah, because yeah. they reviewed my blonde, which I don't think we've. Did they? About that on the yeah they reviewed oh. the Rars blonde and I don't they gave that. it one of them one of those fuckers they said they didn't everything. like it <laughs> no like uh, Ralph is the only one that likes anything no beer wise Brower liked it too I think he only likes light beer yeah yeah and it's super fucking Pretty light much. but it was cool I, I I'm not sure who I was talking to Man. and I didn't even realize like I he sent me 
an Instagram like photo of the can of beer and he was like mm-hmm. this is really good and I just thought it was a person who followed me that knew Aww. I worked for Rar. and so oh, I was just like yeah, yeah cool thanks. thanks and then I realized <laughs> I went and like looked at his page like fucking a week later or something yeah. and I was like oh shit yeah, that <laughs> that's was the bayou yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I actually conversed so sorry about that but Uh, we all make mistakes no 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 i wish we talked about it was really bizarre they like ralph was kind of drunk sorry to out you on that one um but like josh was super into like wanting to or josh james i don't know what he likes james josh i don't know what you like to be called um but we like he wanted to like talk about murder like for real of like cross potting to like cover the fucking killing fields and like i was like oh my god i wish i could hang out with these people all the time because all you want to do is talk about beer and murder and that is just all my interests. It's our shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But yeah, good to see you guys. Whatever. Yay. Uh, that's see cool. you around the town. Um, but yeah, I want to address some social media messages that we received as well. So we've had some nice comments and messages over the last like little break month, whatever, from people on Facebook and Instagram. And I know that I've mentioned it before that we don't always get around to responding. So I just wanted to kind of say thank you for the people that message saying that you just started listening. Um, someone wrote that they just finished binging everything. So thank you so much. Um, so this one guy, I'm not going to say your name because I don't know like your anonymity, like status, whatever. He said he's from Australia and he told us that he is excavating a mine shaft searching for a murdered child oh my god and that's he awful. listens to us to relax okay um may i suggest whiskey also because i that's... don't know what the australian drink of choice is but i don't know if he's vegemite. australian no vegemite <laughs> fosters fosters for sure fosters, fosters no, isn't they bad. don't drink that shit i don't know it's like that's a that's like texans drinking lone star even though we do or like guinness Irish people like, drink yeah, Guinness. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't think they do. But, oh, but Jesus Christ, that's yeah. cool. And whew, Thanks, his man. brain. I know. His brain But must... to like, I don't know. that I relate because I relax listening and I, talking about murder. I do too because I, I guess it kind of takes you out of your specific murder. Moment and yeah. Your, yeah. I hope you find the kid. Good luck. Jesus. Yeah. That's horrifying. I want to say you're a gem, but then that would be like a really bad like mine shaft pun. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Now say it. All right. Cool. You're a gem. You're a gem. I mean it, pun intended. <laughs> um, in the more odd category of messages, we have you not seen these? Because nope. okay. oh, we're not. Remember when I got a new oh, phone? Oh yeah, the whole thing wasn't set up. Okay. Did I tell you guys that I <laughs> dropped my iPhone in a porta potty at Ren Fair? Did I? I did. Okay, that's did fine. You, did you tell him why? I might have. <laughs> I know people that work for my distributor. <laughs> Listen to this podcast and people that work for my brewery listen. So it's okay. You don't have to tell. Let's say that I was very drunk and there might have been some fungi involved. Ah, there we go. Yep. <laughs> um. So yeah, more odd category. We got a um, message from a person claiming to be Gabriel Hall's mitigating specialist. So if you're unfamiliar, I chose Gabriel Hall during our uh, final episode of our mental health series. Way back in the summertime, um, he was a Filipino teenager who uh, had a yogurt and wine situation. I know. I still don't know. Yeah, huh? He killed that. Or no, he- no, no. I know. I, oh. just, I still don't know. I remember Gabriel Hall vividly yeah, okay. because of the fucking yogurt, yogurt and, wine. and wine. Yeah. And then his heinous murder. For right. No, apparently. He reason. killed or attempted to kill two people, killed one successfully. The lady survived. Anyway, their message reads, because I'm terrified to answer this on social media because I don't know what to say. Yeah. So I'll address you now. This message reads, 
I was Gabe Hall's mitigation specialist. Interested to listen to the podcast y'all did about him. I loved Gabe like a little brother and was totally weirded out to find this. Just stumbled across y'all while I was down a weird rabbit hole that started with an Austin beer shout out by Ben Kitzel from last podcast on the left. Life is cray. So that happened. Not sure really what to think about it, but I'm pretty sure that was the episode where our like audio got cut off at the very end of each sentence. So Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure you'll love it just as much as the majority of everyone else did. That's super <laughs> weird that like going down a bin kissel right. slash Which is kind of cool, beer to be honest. Rabbit hole, yeah, that we end Cash. up somewhere. I don't know. Really I don't cool. know. Because yeah. I know they were in. They didn't leave anything, other information, so. Wow. Okay. Hi. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I don't. We get a lot of weird people telling us that they were involved in certain cases that's hard to believe not because we don't believe them but Mm -hmm. because of verbiage and like circumstances yeah and there is like we don't want to discount anything but it's it's we don't go to the police i don't know yeah we don't know anything about anything and so when people like that reach out to us we either feel like insane rush of flattery or we're well or simultaneously we're like yeah we're panicked like (laughs) Is this real? Should we yeah. engage? Should we? What are we doing? We yeah. just run a small podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Go dig a mine shaft and find a child and listen to us to relax. Be that guy. Be that guy. We like that guy. This one is my favorite and then we'll get on to the podcast. But um, last but not least, we received a message on Instagram. Quote, love the podcast. And Hannah, I have to say, (laughs) I could listen to your voice all day. It's very addictive. And also, you're super sexy and hot. By the way, all the yours are like the letter U and R. Very uh, vintage. They're going to come cut your face off. For sure. Can't wait. Will you marry me? And I have a shepherd too. Two kiss face emojis. So I just want to tell you that it'll never work out because Kane doesn't like other dogs. So That's true. He doesn't. Yeah. We've tried. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, I think that's basically they're trying to tell you, Cassie, you need to work on your voice. I know this. All right. I know this. I'm a very shrill, very combative, very combative. (laughs) All of that. Here come the flood us with one star reviews because of my voice and my words. (laughs) Yeah. So that's uh, the social media recap that I wanted to just uh, let the people who we appreciate know. Yeah. In Australia. You're a great human, and the rest. Fucking cool shit. We're worried. Yes. But thanks for the support. Thank you, and. And the compliments. Goodbye. And I hope that your German Shepherd is healthy. Mm hmm. And that wasn't like a weird, like. You're threat. Meaning you are. You are. Why? You're the letters you and are. Yeah. yeah, whatever. It's fine. Um, do we need. <laughs> You're good on drinks. I'm fine. I'm, like I said, I'm going second because, oh, wow, wow, we will. Yeah, we're drinking our death juice again, so I apologize. Oh, do you want to plug the podcast? What podcast? Uh, David's. Yes, and I thought about that. He has not, so he's doing it smart. He is pre-recording like four or five episodes. Oh, yeah, like you're supposed to do. Like you're supposed to, yeah. Um, But my, we did that. hopefully, eventual brother-in-law, if, you know, Brennan decides to keep me <coughs> is starting his own podcast um, called Make Me Try. And I think like social media is Make Me Try Pod. Um, basically, what he does is he has a friend or a coworker, someone in his life suggest like one of their hobbies or guilty pleasures to him. And he spends a week or two 
trying that out and he kind of chronicles it um, like a podcast diary type situation Mm -hmm. and then they meet back up via podcast and they talk about it and discuss it so um i did one with him um and we're doing our second part on sunday but i had him research he's from illinois so i had him research a bummer Chicago's in Illinois, right? Correct. Okay, thank you. Yeah, he's from Illinois. Geography. I don't even know if he's from Chicago, but I know that I think it's near. I don't know. I could be totally wrong. But anyways, I had him research um, a true crime story from his, like pick one from his town, research it, and then also drink the death drink while he reports it back to me. So we'll let you guys know when that's up because I've listened to the preview of the first episode and it's actually really cool. It's a nice, nice. like lighthearted, just really neat concept. Yeah, so it's yeah, super I totally agree. Into it. It's yeah. unique and it probably has some fun stories that uh add on. <laughs> yes. All right, let's go. So, um this week I decided to do so Brennan and I have talked about going. I know. I'm going to talk about Brennan. You said Scott's Whatever, name like fine. You're right. seven I times in one sentence. I can be gross. I can be gross now. We're both <laughs> you gross. You can't be gross now. Yay. <laughs> so Brennan and I have been planning a trip to Big Bend. It's something that we... Y'all can come. I would dude. love that. We would love that. Uh, we wanted guys, to go camping and it rained for like a month. So. You 100% could come with us because we're not... It's not dog friendly because if your dog gets loose, they're gone in the mountains forever. But <laughs> we're going to go in October. Ooh. And his family has gone before, I think, a couple times. And I, I, I'm pretty sure it's a couple times because we were really talking about the trip. I was like, let's do this. Let's actually plan it. Go to the beginning of October. We can just fucking hike all day. And then maybe we can stop off at a hotel on the Fuck. drive back. Yeah, I'm sorry. Do, yeah, like shower and be romantic. Bang in the woods exactly. and all that stuff. Gather berries. But... He told me about this really cool restaurant that's just outside of Big Bend National Park. That's a really big, like, kind of, if you're going to Big Bend and you want to go eat somewhere, you go here. It's, it's the, like, classic stop. Absolutely. Okay. And it's, since Big Bend is kind of in the Badlands, it's the Texas mm-hmm. Badlands, yeah. this place is decked out with, like, dinosaur bones, and it looks super, like, prehistoric, Jurassic. Like, he said it's his favorite restaurant it's the coolest place in the world coolest atmosphere oh he's however many oh yeah (laughs) hannah's feeding my dog it's fine but um (laughs) he said the food was great and he's like casually talking about it and he's like oh man and the owner is so cool he has this long hair he's just the friendliest fucking dude he just walks around talking to tables and he's so nice and then he goes oh actually i don't know if that restaurant's open anymore because the owner was murdered and i was like (gasps) Well, never mind. You can't marry him. Thank you for that. Yeah. Like now I have a story to tell. But yeah. So he told me about that just kind of as a sidebar to us planning what we're going to do when we go to Big Mm -hmm. Bend and camp. Um, And so I decided to look into it just to see if it was, you know, one of those things where horrible, tragic, this guy got murdered, but it's kind of open and shut. Um. It's actually really interesting. So today we're going to talk about the murder of Glenn Feltz. Never heard of it. Good. That's good. So I'm excited. That's rare that you've never heard of something I pick. So I'm really good at picking <laughs> the ones that have a little bit more like they're a little more high profile. Like I always tell people I'm like we choose lesser known cases and like well, on the first except for Google me page like the first search page. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so um, in the small border town of Terralingua, Texas. The Badlands, like I said, there's a cute, unique restaurant slash bar called La Kiva. 
Um, it's decorated like something out of the dinosaur age and a favorite of locals and Big Bend National Park visitors. Um, so La Kiva, which was Terra Lingua's first well-known bar and restaurant, was built in 1979 by eventual owner Glenn Feltz, Glenn Feltz's Uncle Gil. Um, it serves as the prime hangout, event menu, venue, and music scene. Owner Glenn Feltz was well-known and liked by all. Um, he was a very popular and well-drunk guy. Well-drunk? Well-drunk. He, he, like, a, like a nice drunk. Yep. Happy drunk. Yep. Happy okay. drunk. He gotcha. enjoyed partying. He, this awesome, oh, before I start, I also wanted to mention, I got a lot of my information from an article from Outside Online written by Rachel Monroe. Okay. Great source. So, Thanks, thank you, Rach. Rachel. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he was mostly on the wagon most of his life, but had, you know, from time to time gone off the wagon. He would go through bouts of drinking a lot at his bar that he fucking Yeah, owned. it's so probably hard to stay sober in that uh, atmosphere. Absolutely. On Tuesday, February 4th, 2014, Glenn Feltz would be found murdered in his own bar. Dang. So an employee arrived late or uh, early that Tuesday morning to begin her shift and open the restaurant. This is around 8 a.m. Um, the scene she encountered was grisly, but she wouldn't realize it even existed right away. She noticed a man sprawled out face down near the entrance of the bar, um, kind of off to the side a little bit. There are multiple buildings on this property, including Glenn's own apartment, okay. um, which is positioned behind the bar. She wasn't really surprised by this face down man, though, because often people will drink too much and are not able to make it home. So they Fucking just sounds like my Christmas episode where the girl was naked under the tree. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, she must have party. Yeah. Yep. Wow. So she went into the bar, started her opening duties, but noticed that the TVs were still on, the music was still on, the lights were still turned on. She's like, that's weird. No matter how drunk mm-hmm. Glenn usually gets. He shuts everything shuts down. Shuts everything down, locks up, goes home. So that's when she went to his apartment, remember, behind the bar, and she kind of peered in through the window. I'm not sure what kind of window, but mm-hmm. she peered in and she saw that the bed hadn't been slept in. It was oh. still freshly made. And that's when she went back to check the man. The man was Glenn Feltz and his skull had been crushed. <gasps> Pretty fucking gruesome. My, my skull's crushed too in mine. Are you fucking kidding? No. Because I feel like we don't. Yeah. Skull crushing is a very specific kind of yeah, killing. for sure. Ooh. Cool. That's Ooh. weird. We always have like a weird kind of vibe sometimes. You totally covered it with the girl, the, the snapping, right? The, um, the, uh. The oh my God. Stop. Session. Okay. We talk about it. It's Do like, really? oh my God. This uh. is like all in like, okay. So See, many references. We don't cover skull Gold yeah. crushings often. So, and then when yeah. we do it, there's so many things and stuff. So many parallels. Yeah, parallels. Thank you. I've actually, now that I'm thinking about it, so many parallels. Okay. This is Oh, my God. This is creepy. Yes. It's murder. Oh, my fave. <laughs> um, so when the Brewster County Sheriff's Office and the Texas Rangers examined the scene, they determined the death to be a homicide. So Big Texas surprise. Rangers got involved? The Texas Rangers wow. got involved. That's Brewster County... Terralingua is a border town. Oh, you're right. That makes sense. Very, very small. Because it's like a heavy crime. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There, Brewster, this was the biggest, this eventually would end up being the biggest crime that Brewster County had ever seen. The biggest trial, all of that. Um, 
And like the article, one of the articles I was reading said the nearest Target store is 250 miles away from Terralingua. So yeah, they immediately were like, hi, we're in over our head, Texas Rangers. Will you just hop on over here? And Texas Rangers must, they must have a pretty close headquarters because he was found at 8 a.m. And by the afternoon of the same day, someone had been arrested for his murder. Wow. Talk about that. This is 2014. This is not long ago. Yeah. Whoa. So the previous night was not unlike any other. Glenn was at La Kiva hanging out and enjoying the presence of his buddies, um, one of whom is a burly man named Tony Flint. When Glenn hosted friends at the bar, they often drank for free. Um, Cell phone video from that night showed Glenn and Tony laughing, drunk, loud, and affectionate with each other, you know, kind of grabbing each other around the shoulder. Yeah, like, (laughs) I love you, man. Oh, God, I'm hiccuping. Mm, um Feltz glenn is actually quoted in the video is telling tony that he loves him just after in midnight the cook and the bartender were leaving and glenn and tony were still hanging out drinking again not a weird occurrence glenn often closed down the bar and let his friends hang out we've been in the industry we know that that does happen it happens people stay after hours yeah god we've been at jive well (laughs) past time why would you tell people where oh we don't go there anymore so it's fine i mean i go there for events and stuff now but we don't hang out we're not patrons yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) um so tony flint was the last known the last person known to see glenn feltz alive and he was arrested the day that they found glenn whoa Tony made the $200,000 bond and part of what? his right. That's, That's drug money as fuck. Hefty money. I don't know. It's never mentioned. Nothing about what? his finances are ever mentioned. Right. It's like, oh yeah, he made 200000 You made it. Cool. But That's we've it. also covered like other cases where it's like you sell your house, you sell your cars and you can come up with that shit. But that's hard yeah. to do soon after your bond is like po- you know what i mean it could have happened though because part of the terms of his you know quote oh it's a parole, percentage of and like all that shit too well he could not go more than 30 or closer than 30 <gasps> miles away from the mexican border i talk about that in my oh, oh my okay. god this is weird this welcome is weird. to 2019 <laughs> i don't like it okay get on with it Two hundred thousand dollars bond yes and part of his terms he had to wear an ankle bracelet and he could not go near okay. the mexican border and that excludes Terralingua. No so problem. he basically had to skip town as part of his parole terms. So Glenn had wounds on his hands consistent with a altercation, a fight. And so defensive. Or it could have been like a little tussle, you know, right. drunk fighting with your bro and like blah, yeah. blah, blah. Okay. It wasn't clear whether they were defensive wounds okay. or whether they were like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, Tony said that he was super drunk and they both fell as Tony tried helping Glenn out of the bar. Tony said Glenn was blackout drunk and he dragged him a little bit near some rocks and then drove home. What? Tony said, yeah. So his apartment is right behind the building. Yeah. So why wouldn't you just like put him in bed or at least like I can't get in, lay him. He has keys on. Okay. Yep. I don't. So All right. Tony's is fuck. initial story. Is that they're both fucking drunk. Yeah. They walk. The bar is kind of underground-ish, so you have to walk upstairs. Okay. To get out. They're stumbling. They both fall. Glenn fucking, like, falls, scratches up his hand, whatever. He's passed out drunk. Tony is blackout drunk, so he moves him out of the way, just kind of drags him, lays his head on a rock or near some rocks, 
and then gets in his car, again, blackout drunk, and drives home. If you were blackout drunk, would you, I believe it because he's blackout drunk, so you would maybe leave him by rocks, but would you be sober or, you know, in the right mind enough to get to your own car? If you were in that case, wouldn't you just be able to drag him to the apartment and at least lay him somewhere near his home? Or back inside the right. bar? Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. So that's There's three maybe our first issue in okay. this. Sorry. Sorry. And it is, I do mention it later, but it is good to mention that Tony is about three times Glenn's size. Okay. Glenn is around 100 and I believe an article said 160 pounds. Mm-hmm. Tony is more like 320. Most Tony's He's are. He's a tall dude. Yeah. Burly teddy bear of a man. And Glenn was just like this skinny, like almost fit looking, just fucking like yeah, rocker dude. Like, yeah, yeah. Just a. Heroin chic. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but he did not do drugs that we know of. He Allegedly. <laughs> um, so Tony, as we've already talked about, had some inconsistencies that police noticed. Um, first, he lied about what he had been wearing. There was a red beanie found at the scene of the crime. Tony said he hadn't been wearing a beanie that night. Eyewitnesses said he had been wearing a beanie that night. So he lied about what he was wearing because, assumably, 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 no, no, presumably. Oh, (laughs) gotta get that P.R.E. or whatever the fuck. Damn death drinks. All right. So, yeah, he lied presumably because there was a beanie found at the scene. So that would effectively place him at the scene, even though he kind of already was placed at the scene because he was the most fucking person. So it was a stupid lie. Um, He also claimed that there was no altercation, but investigators found, quote, obvious evidence of a scuffle outside of the bar, i.e., Shoe prints, you know, disturbed dirt. Because remember, we're in the desert here. So there were disturbances in the path and the dirt. and Like landscaping wise? or Yes. Like okay. obvious signs of a scuffle. And like drag marks from like a human being dragged over to this. Okay, never mind. Human being dragged point. over 100 feet is one. Uh, and then Glenn had those wounds on mm-hmm. his hands that were more consistent with a fight than they were falling down. Or drag marks from being dragged. Or depending on like what, I don't know. Yeah. What position he was facing upward downward you know what i mean like he's facing bo- upward okay yeah right. just kidding um tony also had injuries he had bruises on the left side of his face and his right hand oh glenn Presumably, got one in your hand is your punching hand and what hand was it your he, your right hand was he right-handed uh we can assume so okay so he had injuries on we assume his punching hand and he had bruises on the left side of his face which would have mm-hmm. been Glenn's punching hand mm-hmm. making contact with that side of his face. So investigators also found clothing and boots at Tony's home with Glenn's blood on them. Tony claimed his injuries were sustained in the fall. So evidence is starting to stack up that kind of contradicts what he's been telling police. But most of all, he's telling them, I was blackout drunk. I don't remember anything. Mm-hmm. So who is Tony Flint? Um, in short, he and Glenn had been friends for years. He was a Lakiva regular. Um, this is important to remember. He played football in high school and college. He actually had a scholarship to play uh, football in college. Um, and that career ended short because he injured his shoulder. Okay. So he kind of transitioned in the more nomadic lifestyle of working outdoors. Um, he was a 
I didn't write it down because I sometimes I do that. I don't think it's important until I'm actually telling the story. <laughs> um, he was like Details a help. kayak guide or something oh. or other. So like along in like Big the Bend river. along okay. the Rio gotcha. Grande. Yeah. Um, that's cool as fuck, actually. It's a really cool job. Yeah, like Brennan's aunt, who might actually listen to the podcast now. I think she might. Yeah. Hey, girl. Her and her husband are like fucking, uh, they're state park rangers and stuff. And like her husband just uh, helped write a book on trails in. Of course he did. The specific, like the coolest job. I want to go to. In the world. Yeah. And they're also ha- not getting paid at the moment. So that's great. Oh, man. Yeah. Yay. Anyways, <laughs> so he was. Loved by most and affectionately Tony called Glenn. Tony. Okay, okay. Affectionately called Big Tony. Um, and Original. People said that he was friendly and magnetic. Others, though, recall him as a more threatening, angry drunk, uh, okay. quick to temper. And was that just based on his size, though? You know, it was like a common naturally theme. intimidating. There were okay. at least five people that came forward in both the articles and in the eventual trial. To give testimony that, okay. hey, I firsthand witnessed him after a day of drinking, a night of drinking at a party, being very threatening and aggressive and just all around kind of scary. Like, and his size, of course, amplifies For that. sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And I write next, his size meant that he could do some damage. There mm-hmm. was testimony of someone that said he was drunk and they watched him punch in a giant trash bin just like crumple it with his wow. fist so that's a pretty powerful dude three over 300 pounds pretty powerful guy and it wasn't like you know obese 300 right, pounds like it was more strength. built yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. yes so we're talking about like a fucking linebacker you know Jeez. so tony flint was charged with first degree murder Whoa. Yes. yes like they went fucking right for it which we'll talk about um, his trial would begin in Hudspeth County, which is 140 miles from Brewster County due to the publicity. Tara Lingua. The what? Pu- <laughs> publicity. Hey. <laughs> God damn it. Well, I was going to ask about publicity. that city's name and I was like, wait, that sounds like a weird name. And then you said publicity. Hudspeth is right. Publis- All right. Pub- you gotta, you, lots of L's. It's fine. It's fine. Tara Lingua is a tight, tight, tight knit community. It's a small town. There's like two stoplights, a couple gas stations, a couple grocery stores, like a few bars and restaurants. Mm-hmm. But these people are close. Everyone knows everyone. And they love Glenn. Glenn is a figure Aww. in the community. And we'll talk about how much good he does. Like he, he's loved. And so people are fucking outraged at his untimely death. He was only 50 when he died. So Tony, who, uh, oh yeah, they, I'm sorry. The trial began in late April 2015. Okay. So Tony, who two weeks after Glenn's death, said he still had no real recollection of the night when questioned by investigators, suddenly had what District Attorney Rod Ponton called a, quote, miracle memory. Mm. He knew Love everything. Those. And he did claim that after about a week of incarceration, it all came flooding back to him. I mean, convenient. It happens, but yes, convenient. Convenient. He said, Tony claims, that it started when Glenn was arguing with an employee at La Kiva, who then quit on the spot. This agitated Glenn, it was a sore spot for him that evening. But the men continued to drink um, whiskey, tequila, beers, fucking hanging out, drinking. 
Um, he said around midnight, the two who had actually been alone for a bit at this point, the cook, like I said, and the other bartender had gone home. I could not find any article that corroborated this employee that quit. So ah, okay. I'm not sure about that. I would assume since it was allowed in testimony that it wasn't a complete farce. Yeah. Someone I, had to have been interviewed. Someone had to have actually quit ta- that night. Quit that night. Excuse me. Man. Oh, he, look at his face. It's okay, buddy. It's okay. okay. Sorry. Hannah just hushed my dog. <laughs> And he gave her the most heartbroken look <laughs> I've ever seen. Oh, Honey. Boy. All right. Sorry. I God got damn no sleep last night because of him. <laughs> Where? Okay. So the employee that quit was most likely interviewed, gave some sort of um, I would statement, hope so. time frame, what yes, happened. Because like if that. that was a bold-faced lie, that's a pretty easy lie to discount so i don't think it would have been allowed there's plenty of witnesses there's got to be video time clock slips it might have whatever i don't know yeah okay so um around midnight they both stumbled out to where tony's truck had been parked so this is now we're hearing different from they stumbled out of the bar glenn blacked out passed out and tony dragged him kind of out of the way he said that the two then got inside tony's truck and, quote, Glenn and I could sit and talk for hours on end. Um, things I couldn't talk to others about. He was in love with him. <laughs> no? Okay. I was like, I'm getting a super gay vibe right now, which is fine. But, like, I'm getting, no, sure. I got a genuine bro-y love oh, okay. vibe that. Well, either way. You know. Tragic. Tony said he brought up the employee during their conversation and Glenn got agitated and began berating him. Mm. So Tony asked him to get out of the car. He claims that Glenn refused, so Tony said he got out of his vehicle, went around, and opened the passenger side door and asked him to leave again. And now I read directly from one of those articles. Glenn then hit Tony, he said, which caused... Fuck, it's... I'm reading an exact quote, and it's last names. I'm trying to do first names, so I'm going to transition into last names. It's Tony Flint and Glenn Feltz, so here we go. FNF. Feltz then hit Flint, he said, which caused Flint to grab Feltz by the shirt and pull him out while Feltz continued to punch Flint. After restraining the smaller man by pinning his arm, Flint said that he started to walk with Feltz when they tripped. As they got up, Flint testified he saw Feltz get up and walk toward the bed of his pickup. In the back of the pickup, Flint said, was an axe, a tire iron, and a metal pipe which he feared Feltz was going to get and attack him. Getting up, Flint said he grabbed Feltz and the two struggled before Flint grabbed Feltz by the arm and threw him up against the mesquite tree. Quote, I felt my safety was in jeopardy at that point, Flint said. Flint said he then hit Feltz, quote, three or four times before stopping, picking him up, and then dragging him. At some point, he said their feet got tangled up and the two fell with Flint who said he was about 350 pounds at the time on top of the about 150-pound Phelps. He was then drugged the remainder of the way and left. Couple of problems with this. Tony is 350 pounds. He has 200 whole pounds against Glenn. I do not believe a man that size could do this sort of damage. Who Basically, also clearly inebriated as well. Exactly. If he's falling, if he, 
I don't think the coordination was there. I don't think the intent was there. I think a man that has 200 pounds on somebody, especially Mm -hmm. his drunk best friend who he can tell things to that he can't tell anyone else, I think you would do go to other steps to restrain him yeah, rather than bashing his head up against a mesquite tree and dragging him, killing him and effectively killing him. I mean, like Glenn got upset because of a topic that was brought up. Allegedly. That, allegedly. And it, if that's the case, and I could see it, I could honestly see it, you know, like, hey, man, sorry that that happened. Like, what are you going to do about it? And he's like, no, I don't want to fucking talk about it. Like, why the fuck are you bringing this up? Mm-hmm. And they get into like a drunk bro altercation. Mm-hmm. But like what? You're that good of friends. You can't talk your friend down from that. Right. And to where it doesn't turn into a murder. You also can't, after you Confusion. get up because you fell and he's going right. towards the back of the car, you can't just your life get is in your threatened. car. Your 350 pound life is threatened by right. him going for all these. We- I don't, I don't understand. I don't okay. buy it. No. So Tony said Glenn was still breathing when he dragged him. Um, in total, almost 100 feet away from where his truck was parked. Glenn suffered two skull fractures, several broken ribs, and internal injuries, according to autopsy. Character witnesses said that Tony was a, quote, peaceful person, but others said that he had, like we've said, an aggressive side. Um, Tony's attorney, Justin Lowe, L-O-W, Lowe, said his client was not guilty. It was self-defense. In his closing statement, he said to the jury that there's just too much reasonable doubt. But Finally. Fuck. I love a jury that believes in reasonable doubt. That mm-hmm. never happens. No. Fucking A. Yeah. Maybe to our demise here. <laughs> oh, District no. Attorney Ponton said he's guilty. He changed his story and he has an angry side. Lowe had also said during the trial that, quote, the state medical examiner testified that the injuries were so severe that a human being probably couldn't strike uh, strike like that without having broken bones in his hand. Lowe believed that Glenn's injuries were caused by a vehicle running him over after Tony left him in the parking lot. Oh, so fuck. here's an issue with this. Tire tracks. Tire Sorry. tracks. No, there's no tire tracks. Imprints of some kind on his body. Mm-hmm. And La Kiva is the spot. People know Mm. when it closes. Why would there be a car driving through the parking lot after closing? Presumably at least an hour, Mm -hmm. an hour and a half after closing. That just doesn't make sense to me. So we'll, you know, and plus if he was drug 100 feet away from the parking lot, why would a car be over there anyways? Well, we don't know what the parking lot looks like. We don't know the setup. If it's a popular place, it might have a big lot. For multiple, you know, occupants. It does seem to have a big lot in some pictures I've seen with it, mm-hmm. with the parking lot in the background. But remember, Lynn was found where there were rocks. Yeah. So why would a car drive near rocks? I thought he was found inside. Near the oh, buildings. Oh, okay. Near sorry, one sorry, of sorry. the buildings. Yeah, not inside. Like inside. Um, yeah. Yeah. But... I mean, a pipe could break ribs, a car could break ribs. I don't know. A car could break your face, so could a pipe. So or a fist of a 350-pound man. True. Um, Ponton, district attorney, called that idea a crock. He said, quote, The evidence from the scene proved that there was no vehicle that ran over Glenn Feltz. Those were not tire marks. They were blow marks that we believe were from stomping. Oh, man. Medical examiner also couldn't identify the marks positively um, from Glenn's stomach. 
Uh, he couldn't identify them to a particular object because he said, unlike something like paper, a stomach isn't going to keep the imprint right. of tire, uh, shoe print. Even like bruising? or There was bruising. He had broken ribs. But, but it didn't he couldn't leave an imprint. conclusively say right. it was from this. Well, I like that guy already. I do too. And there were also no tire tracks. So where'd the car fucking theory come through? Uh, was it asphalt? Was it rocks? Was it dirt? Dirt. Okay. It was dirt. All right. Desert well. dirt. Hmm. So on May 5th, 2015... 38-year-old Tony Flint was found not guilty by the jury. He was then acquitted. They didn't go for a lesser sentence. They didn't go for a lesser crime. They, what? quote, Please explain. We believe the jury wanted some CSI-type proof linking the injuries to Tony's boot. CSI is a lie! (laughs) Yeah! The lack of that was reasonable doubt for the jury, says District Attorney Ron Ponton. Ron also released this statement. I want to thank everyone from Hudspeth County who assisted the 83rd District Attorney's Office during our prosecution of Tony Flint for murder of Glenn Feltz. Although I disagree with the jury's decision, I respect the jury system in our country. The jury told me they had a couple of reasonable doubts about convicting Tony, so they said, not guilty. The jury did not believe self-defense. The jury did not say that Tony did not kill Glenn. In fact, Tony admitted to flinging Glenn against a mesquite tree, punching Glenn four times while Glenn's head was dragged against the tree, such that Glenn went unconscious, could not walk or stand, and then dragged Glenn to where he lay. So Tony killed Glenn. There are a couple of misperceptions out there. The Brewster County Grand Jury indicted Tony for murder because the autopsy showed 15 to 20 injuries including two different fatal skull fractures, 12 ribs broken on the side, uh, five of 12 ribs broken on the other side, a cut diaphragm, and other internal injuries. The drag marks in the parking lot proved no other person killed Glenn. No tire marks, just Tony's size 14 boots. One or two blows might be manslaughter, but 15 or 20 blows is done knowingly. Glenn's blood was on Tony's boots and Tony's overalls. Murder is not just intentionally killing someone. Murder is also when you knowingly commit an act dangerous to human life that results in the death of an individual. This is what Tony was charged with. The jury was also given the option of finding Tony guilty of manslaughter for reckless conduct as a lesser included offense. So there was no mistake in the indictment or in the jury charge. We believed that the number and the extent of blows to Glenn showed that Tony acted, quote, knowingly. The fact that Glenn died of these injuries clearly showed that the acts Tony committed were dangerous to human life. All evidence was presented to the jury. 30 witnesses, 350 exhibits, the sheriff and three deputies, two Texas Rangers, lab personnel, coroner, and numerous terilingual witnesses over seven days. The case was prosecuted by three prosecutors, myself, Assistant Attorney General Tina Richardson from Austin, and Assistant DA Sam Katz. We were assisted by an investigator and two other persons from my office. The state of Texas provided every possible resource to aid in this prosecution. The state did its job. Although I disagree, the jury did theirs. The only thing to be blamed is our jury system, which, although flawed, is still the best in the world. My heart goes out to Molly Feltz Gillespie and the Feltz family. We should all say a prayer in honor of the memory of Glenn Feltz. Ron Ponton, 
83rd district attorney. So this guy is a fu- I love him so much. Yeah. He's fair. He's smart. He did a great Unbiased. job. Unbiased. Yeah. And he looks at it from the actual legal perspective. He's the type of district attorney that you want presiding over your cases. And he still didn't win. You know, mm-hmm. like it's it's crazy to me. And the points. This is why I read this whole quote out. The points that he made are so valid. Absolutely. And the fact that the jury had the opportunity to convict him of manslaughter instead raises some questions and theories for me, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about. Um, so before the trial, 71-year-old Terralingua resident Betty Moore said, quote, this has always been a safe place. Nobody here locks their doors. I never thought about the possibility of harm coming to me here. That's one reason people are so heartbroken. It wasn't supposed to happen here. Glenn Feltz was born June 18th, 1963. He was an MIT grad and he... What? Uh, yeah. He had been working Rad. as an electrical engineer in Dallas in 1989. Oh, money, 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 money. <laughs> okay, so he worked in Dallas. Yeah, he worked in Dallas as in 1989 when his uncle Gil passed away. Um, that was the original Lakiva Right, 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 yeah. So when he passed away... He paid a visit to the bar and fell in love and fell in love with the community, fell in love with the bar and decided to leave his life as an electrical engineer in Dallas and move to Terralingua. Um, quote, he saw what a good time we were having. So the family decided to keep it, said Terralingua resident Paul Wiggins. Um, he took well to the lifestyle and his blissful smile and photos taken just months before his death proved his happiness. He was a music fanatic, and he turned La Kiva into a hotspot for music, and they had a weekly open mic there. Um, he actually would bring bands in from, like, Russia, you know? Like, he was, he would seek out bands to play his fucking spot, and, like, he was super in, super Aww. immersed in the music scene. Um, his girlfriend at the time of his death, Rachel Manera, said, quote, he felt like his mission in life was to provide a space for people to have a good time. Glenn regularly helped people in the community. Um, he helped them build homes. He made donations to feed the hungry. He was genuinely a good man, and he was loved by all. Um, he also enjoyed a good time. Uh, the Lakiva employee handbook jokingly reminded servers to cut Glenn off after he had had 10 mind erasers. Oh, Jesus. A mind eraser is a drink <laughs> with, quote, yeah. heavy portions of vodka and Kahlua topped with club soda. Woof. His girlfriend, Rachel, Rachel um, an artist from Alpine, had... Hey, Alpine! Yeah. Zuzu! Hey, hey girl! Hey! Another R.I.P. artist! Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my Aww. God. Fuck me. Um, she had just agreed to move into Glenn's apartment. In fact, the morning he was found, they had planned to gather up her things and move her in. Can you imagine? Like, your whole life is ahead of you with this and person. And then And then he's gone. Like... <gasps> Also, the author was Rachel Monroe, and her name is Rachel Monera. That's kind of creepy. Yeah, I, all, I had to double check when yeah, I was writing down weird. the author's name. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Rachel. That's awful. It's, it's awful. Um, the last night Glenn and Rachel spent together was peaceful, happy, and hopeful. They mm. took a walk, holding hands around the property of La Kiva, looking at the beautiful, I mean, Terralingua, the Big Bend area, it's just hailed for its beautiful yeah. sky, the scenery. I mean, it's a fucking desert town, but you look up, and it's... Deserts are great. Gorgeous. Exactly. That's what deserts are for. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were excited for their future together. 
In late February, after Glenn's death, Lakiva staff and basically the whole town of Terralingua threw one last party at his bar. I'm going to cry. It's so sad. That is this terrible. guy is so sad. This guy was so fucking loved. Um, to, they, they, they threw are. one last party to honor his life. Uh, over a dozen bands played. People drank the remaining liquor. <laughs> That's Quote, awesome. One last hurrah. Aww. The last time Lakiva would be in a Glen spirited fashion, says Rachel. Lakiva is still open today, but it's no longer owned by the Feltz family. Um, a man named John has bought it. So that's the end of Glenn's story. Now we kind of move on to questions and theories. Yeah. Did Tony do it or did he get away with murder? I have some. I, so I'm going to skip <laughs> ahead. Yeah. I'm going to kind of give. I, I was like, okay, Cassie, this time you need to like ask the question. Give Hannah a chance to respond no, no, no. before you give. Do your thing and I'll ask mine later because you'll probably answer a bunch of my shit as we go. So this is my theory. Remember that Tony was a high school football player and a college football player. What do we know now about injuries sustained in the brain from football players? What position did he play, though? Uh, I don't know. I probably could have looked. There was like a state. It was MSU he played at and there was a website about him. I didn't want to I didn't want to read it. Well, I'm just saying different positions can cause you to be more prone or at risk to being concussed. I yeah. guess. I I think in general football fucking like I I mean I don't know how many concussions it takes to develop CTE in the like brain. 3? I think that's possible. I think 3 you were told to you're gone. Think about so think about when he would have been playing football. He was 38 in 2015. Okay. So he would have been playing football 20 years prior. Mm-hmm. So that would have been in the early 90s, late 80s ish. Science is around. That, but that was before they knew that these injuries really. Now they're they're getting more careful with kids. So if he played in high school and then oh, he got okay. a scholarship saying. in college, we can assume. At. That he played earlier in uh-huh. his childhood. So from an early age, when his baby brain is still developing, he was probably getting knocked around. And it doesn't even take a concussion. CTE can be caused by your brain rattling around in your skull, which it does. So you're talking about head trauma. I think it's possible that there was some sort of head trauma where this normally docile, friendly bear of a guy that people love. Tony, the people in Terralingua said that they were mourning the loss of two of their friends Mm. because they lost Tony and they lost Glenn. I think that it's possible that he had some sort of undiagnosed head trauma like CTE that we've seen cause suicide. They cause murder. Uh, That's what people theorize about OJ, why he was so fucking aggressive and why he murdered Nicole. I think it's possible that something, not to victim blame, but something Glenn said or Glenn's attitude towards him, maybe that bit about bringing up the employee was true. And Glenn agitated him. And Tony was like, get the fuck out of my car. You're yelling at me. And then that didn't happen. And that set him off. Alcohol is also not good for brain injuries. Yeah, I was going to say. So I think it's possible that some sort of CTE kicked in. This uncontrollable aggression and rage and anger from this man that had 200 pounds on Glenn easily led to his murder. I think he punched him. I think he kicked him. I think he dragged him. He admitted to most of these things. He banged his head against a tree. Like, 
over and over and over. I think that the rage was uncontrollable. I don't think it was self-defense. I think it was, if not manslaughter, definitely murder. But his story didn't make sense. He changed his story from what he initially told investigators. And then he had over a year before his trial started where, remember, he's out on bail most of this time. So he's not sitting in a jail cell just kind of withering away. He has resources available to him to, I don't know, do research. Pay for a fucking great attorney. To pay for it. He had a fucking great attorney, too. Like, I can't even be mad at this attorney in this case. This attorney is great. There was reasonable doubt. What I don't understand is why the manslaughter charge was not given. So I think, yes, Tony did it. I don't know if it was exactly intentional and he meant to murder his friend. I think whether it be a brain injury that caused this peak in aggression or uh, blackout drunk aggression, what have you, I think there was at least manslaughter. He did strike the blows. He did kill Glenn Feltz. Um, I don't think Glenn was a violent, violent drunk from what everyone said. He was on and off the wagon, mostly on the wagon. But when he was off the wagon, he would be at his bar, just like Brennan told me. He would walk around and talk to the patrons and converse with them. We're around peak season, so this is around the time that Glenn would be kind of wandering around the tables, like fucking making sure they're having a great time. I didn't read any account, and it could just be people not wanting to speak ill of the dead. So we're not positive, but no account I read said that Glenn had a temper said that he was a sloppy or messy drunk. He routinely let his friends drink at the bar with him. He hung out. They got a little rowdy, a little whatever, and then he would close the bar down and go to his apartment, which is why his employee would know to look at his apartment to see if Mm -hmm. Glenn was there because that was a regular occurrence. Um, You can be a happy drunk and still, like, get, like, agitated. You know what I mean? You can still, like, oh, livable. And it doesn't turn violent. It doesn't turn really aggressive. But you can Mm -hmm. still... You're not yourself. Yeah. So, you know, it, it could happen. I don't I'm not saying he, a fight could happen, but he could, just because he's a happy drunk fight. He could fight have been more agitated. Means. He could have been, yeah. I don't think he would have been agitated enough to go for a lead pipe or no. an axe to yeah. his friend. Yeah. That doesn't, it doesn't sound like the Glenn I read many, many, many quotes yeah. about. I could see, like, I, when I hear that kind of thing, I think of, like, a stupid girl picking a fight with, like, her boyfriend because yep. she's drunk. And That's then, what like, I see whipping her arm right. back and full-fledged yeah. slapping him in the face and then he bashing her skull in <laughs> for that act because right. he played football in high school and has cte you know like that's like, and again yeah. <laughs> glenn was less than half the size of mm-hmm. tony so a man of that stature who was also younger by 12 years so a little bit more spry mm-hmm. i didn't play football doesn't have injuries was nerdy and watch you know bands play on stage like i don't think that would have been a threat to a man like tony physical disability yeah yeah um and then lastly i think the jury fucked up i don't even think they did the best with what was presented to them because i think all arrows point towards a manslaughter charge i think tony walked away free i'm not sure if he murdered with malice but he definitely killed glenn feltz um so I think while it is kind of cool that we actually have a jury that understands reasonable doubt, I think they tipped the scale a little bit too far to one side and they were like, oh, there's reasonable doubt. We can't convict. But it, Tony admitted to causing, inflicting the injuries. He admitted to there was blood. There was, there was enough evidence, I feel, 
to convict him of something. So that's my opinion. I think Tony did it. I think Glenn's murder did not see any justice. What do you think? Um, God, man, I'm torn. I feel like everything you've said, I, I see that side because I wrote down just like different stuff. Like, I think that the fact that like the murder weapon wasn't definitive, you know, right. was it a tire track? Was it a boot? Um, The fact that, you know, the the charges, I think they fucked up with that initially. I think they went too far. I because yes. they, I think they thought they could get a jury to convict mm-hmm. on this because it, for most people, you would most say juries, you it's cut and dry. Murder. Yep, and that's what I love about this jury is that no, I do see reasonable doubt. This isn't in accordance with the law. We're not going to go through with it. Yeah, but I also see your point of that there was still blood evidence. Yeah, there was still a confession. Yep, there was still you know a time and place where these two interacted and there was a relationship and there was eyewitness testimony, character witnesses. Mm -hmm. That's still a lot of shit. If you take away all that, I could see it. Yeah. But the fact that you could, okay, take away the blood evidence Mm -hmm. and I could see it. I could see the jury being like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. You're trying to convict an innocent man, but there's blood, man. He was the last person to see him. This is like classic, classic, classic. Yes. And a lot of cases we talk about where we're like, what the fuck? How could you ignore this? Yeah. But these people are being given this and they're still just like, no, it's okay. And this is in the age know. of the right? internet. It's not so, like 1984. This is exactly. 2014. So if I'm going to, if I know that I'm serving on a jury, if I mm-hmm. show up for jury duty and I find out it's going to be a murder case. I know, me personally, I'm going to go do some research on uh, how to be a good jury person, how to, what reasonable doubt should be, what the exact parameters for murder, what, what you have to meet, you know, mm-hmm. requirement-wise to get a capital murder charge. I would do research so I would be a prepared jury member. So it's almost like, it almost feels like these people were trying to be too smart for their own good. And they were like, there's reasonable doubt. We can't commit. Convict. Well, and it's like, I mean. But you could have done this. The, like, the super, I don't know. I don't want to, like, totally discount what you said because it's all subjective to the jury and how if they're, you know, sequestered and, like, their internet and phone history is being monitored. So, I mean, they may not all have a chance to, to research. I guess And they're true. also given that information. When they are asked, you know, or not asked, but yeah. like requested to be a jury member, they're like, these are the specifications. This is what we're lining out. And that's why it's so specific is because they are told this is what we're looking for. This is what we're not looking for. Yeah. Make the decision. So I don't think it's all about like, I would be a great jury member because I would search this because I don't even know if they would be allowed to. That's true. I, did, I didn't you know? think about I, I know you can't told, search anything yeah. about the people or about right, the crime, right, right. but yeah. I guess they probably wouldn't be able to search anything involved I don't with know. law. And I don't know how that works. I don't know if they put a fucking tap on your shit or whatever, but it's, you know, it's monitored to a certain extent and they tell you what the fuck you're supposed to be looking for. Like, yeah. I don't know. And this fucking defense attorney, I know that they get a say in who's picked for the jury. So he oh, might sure. yeah, have yeah. chosen people that he that knew whole thing is were like- smart enough to know what reasonable doubt is, who had a, a history of maybe like a medical history where they know like, yeah, you yeah. can't tell definitively if it is a tire or if it is a... Mm-hmm. <sighs> Dude, ro- watch the movie Runaway Jury. That movie is insane. It explains mm. exactly how jury selection goes Oy. and how biased it is. Yeah, it's it's such a flaw like what the district attorney said like 
it's still the greatest system in the world. It works when, yeah, for sure. It works when it's executed correctly. I don't think it works correctly. I don't, I mean, I think for all intents and purposes, they tried to do good and they tried to do their best. I just think they fucked up. Like, and I don't think they did it with any intention. The point is, though, is that just like with Robert fucking Durst, and I know I talk about this all (laughs) the fucking time. The point is, is that they weren't, he wasn't being tried, oh, Jesus. For a certain thing. Neither was Tony. He was being charged with murder. Yeah. Is he going to be convicted of murder? In their head, they're all like, yeah, that was probably knowingly or negligent or whatever the fuck you want to call it. But that's not what this is about. Yeah. And we're able to discern the difference. I think if Tony hadn't changed his story, if he had been forthright with investigators immediately and told him what he says in the trial... They might have gone for a manslaughter charge. They might he he would have been they able just to paint this to go picture all out though because yeah. there was so because much. There was like, nothing. They had nothing from Tony except we found his blood on your clothes. Yeah. He's dead, and you were the last person. To open see him. and shut. Yeah. So they they were like, yeah, we're gonna go for capital murder because this is capital murder. But if Tony had said. I mean, it was an good, accident. It's good that Tony did didn't kind of say it that off. it was an accident. That's what I don't understand is that how the jury can. I I don't know, man. Like I. I don't know what the ins and outs of like, hey, can we actually change the charge to yeah. something less mid-trial? I, I, I don't know how that works. Maybe Apparently I'll learn it eventually. they were offered it, but yeah. I, I feel like the proof was-ish there for a certain uh, a stature of murder. Yeah. A certain level of. I think they were both fucked up. Um, but my biggest question, if it wasn't a head trauma, if it wasn't a... I'm in love with you thing and you're angry about it. What was the motive? Because yeah. that's what you kind of need for murder yeah. if it wasn't knowingly or negligent. Because I think self-defense, when you think of the size, when you think of yeah, no, that, Tony that's having bullshit. access that's total to bullshit. a vehicle. Self-defense, don't even fucking talk exactly. about it. Exactly. No. So self-defense can't be the motive. No. So you're right. What is the motive? Mm-hmm. Like CTE makes a lot of sense to me, but I'm just throwing out bullshit you know, fucking. and it could be alcohol. You know, not in, not the induced. induced. Is, no, yeah. yeah, I guess induced. But also, why isn't it all the time? How come it's here and there? And why is it, is com- it so bad at this point that you actually go and yeah. murder? You one would of your think that friends. it would be with a stranger if it was going to happen, not yeah. your close friend. But yeah. also, like you hurt the ones you love. I don't fucking know. Like, I feel like it's definitely he should have been charged with something because I feel like it's very obvious yes. that something happened. Something happened, and. There is reasonable doubt that something did happen, yeah. not just that something didn't happen. And for if that makes sense, this guy, whether he killed in cold blood or he has such a serious mm-hmm. rage issue that he could kill somebody. I mean, either way, this guy is free. He's out in the world and not getting treated for whatever the fuck is exactly. going on. Exactly, yeah. and it's not like he would have gotten treated in jail, but <laughs> he didn't say. Sorry. Uh, someone else must have done it. Right, it, right, right. Like, there was no other scapegoat. There was no other suspect. He admitted to an altercation. Glenn. Yeah, yeah. So just, it's so weird to me that uh. the justice system kind of failed in in such a regard. Where, and when you look at but it, they kind of did it the right thing so well. Yeah, they the did justice the right thing of like perfect. the extent of what he should have been punished for. It's almost like but they kind of forgot to punish him for the lesser amount of shit yeah. that he did. It's like a most likely a, an election. You know, that everything, <laughs> everything comes back to everything, yeah. but like everything <laughs> is legally attained. Everything mm-hmm. you've, you've gone out, you've canvassed, you've done everything you can. And then it still doesn't go your way. And it's yeah. like, shit, that fucking happens sometimes. 
But this sometimes it means that a a killer kind of goes loose. Yeah. And I don't even know if I... But it doesn't mean I, he may kill again, but right. it also means like, hey, if you drink, maybe hopefully he got sober after hopefully. this incident. But I mean, now he has that added trauma onto whatever he allegedly might have. Um, yeah, alleged, alleged, alleged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, at this point, it's kind of like this. Could this happen again? Is he keeping his nose clean? Who knows? I'm. We hope so. Yeah. Like, I really hope. I think the absolute worst thing that could come out of a situation like Tony's has already happened. So the next worst thing could be that it happens again. And we hear five, yeah. six, seven years down the road. The, the we hear up. about a murder. We hear about something that happens. And Tony Feltz it. is involved. And it's like, well, fucking shit. Tony Flint. Tony Flint. Oh, that's right. I, I did that. I There's wrote, two Fs. It's I okay. wrote the wrong thing a couple of times. Yeah, Tony Flint is involved. That would be just crushing to I know everyone in Terralingua, mm-hmm. everyone involved. We would read that and be like, what the fuck? Okay. Like the justice system worked so well and it still let the wrong guy go. I don't want to harp on this forever, but I still feel like if Glenn was such this great guy, which I'm sure he was, mm-hmm. the the uh, conversation that allegedly instigated this whole thing, I still find hard to come by. As much as I defended of like comparing it to that girl who gets drunk and like, you know, says that bullshit to her boyfriend and starts to fight. You have Glenn's girlfriend, Rachel, saying he was great. You have all these people saying that he was great. You don't have anyone saying you say he might have drank, but there was no allegations like you got with Tony of aggression or anger or violence. Right. And so I wonder, like, did this conversation even happen? What really? Yeah. You know, spurn this whole thing. Yeah. I I, it would be uh, we'll never know. I mean, it would just be interesting to find out of like Mm -hmm. what really happened to initiate this. It really would be because we don't you we're not even completely positive there was an employee altercation right that led to an on-the-spot I mean quitting it could happen again like we said it yeah. most likely did because it's in documentation of online and like things like that but yeah I still. just yeah that that's crazy it's, uh, it's all very far-fetched to me and as a jury member I would 100% be like yep I got reasonable doubt I don't know if he murdered him but I would not I would be that one person that causes a mistrial because I wouldn't be able to definitively say mm-hmm. that X happened or X happened. Yeah, like, mistrial is one much. thing. Mistrial would make so much sense. To be acquitted? No. Crazy. It's then crazy. You got, but then also, I could see that because then you got to go back and just say, okay, well, we can't try him for murder, but we can try him for manslaughter. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's not double jeopardy at that point, but mm-hmm. I just... I, I side with this jury, but I don't. I know. Like, I get it. And I know they did their jobs. Mm-hmm. And I know the system. That's what's so sad because we've talked about people getting wrongfully convicted. Yeah. If it went the other way, we would be bitching sitting here yeah. being like, well, there was blood evidence, but we don't right. know. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That sounded so annoying. No, no, no. no. That's not, that was like me. Um, but yeah, like that that message we got from that person about the Christmas episode, the people like yeah. burning, the guy burning, the, like the Innocence Project and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like. This could be a case where if Tony did go to jail, like we're looking at it from this side of things Mm -hmm. saying he got away with murder. But if he was in jail, there would have been enough reasonable doubt for the Innocence Project to get involved. Yeah. So I don't know. Everyone sucks. It's all the worst. (laughs) (laughs) But I I will. That was really cool. I like that one. I liked it too. And hopefully maybe we actually do go to Big Ben together and we can both go to this. Take a pic in front of the... Yeah, I want to check it out. Brennan said it's one of the coolest spots he's ever seen. It, the whole atmosphere is awesome. And he was like, once he kind of realized, he was like, oh, shit. Yeah, the owner was murdered. He was kind of like, 
That kind of sucked kind of going bummer, back yeah. there without him. Like he he really talked about how great of a guy this was, and he was just a patron in his restaurant. So. Jeez. Well, yeah. he made an impact, obviously. He really did. On and a that's, lot of people in a whole town. And, that's the yeah. coolest part about his life. Like, he really, he truly made an impact with the people of Terralingua and most of the visitors that kind of drove into the ghost yeah. town and ate at his restaurant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he. Rest in peace, Glenn. Rest in peace, Glenn. I don't know if we should say fuck you, Tony. I feel like we should, but we're not sure. So. Someone deserves a fuck you out there. Fuck the faults in the system that be. I don't know. Okay, it's my turn. (laughs) I'm sorry that my hat keeps hitting this as many times as I say that. I haven't heard it. Well, that's sure it's coming through on the microwave. Microwave. Whoa. Cool. (laughs) Death drinks, guys. Glad I got through my story. Half. Thank you so much. All right, so I originally stumbled on this case way back when I was deciding. Are you okay? Oh yeah, I was. Oh, it's fine. Okay, <laughs> uh, deciding on what to discuss for our anniversary episode. So I've been kind of sitting on this one for a minute. So I'm kind of finally happy that I get to uh, talk about it. Um, I got all my information from a fantastic, all-encompassing article from um, the Austin Chronicle, mm. and it's called Murder in the Suburbs, Good Luck Penny by Kate Van Scoy. I believe that's how you say her name. Okay. Written in December of 1998, which is just a couple of years after the crime itself took place. So um, there is information that has since been found out, I guess, if you will, or I'm sure further uh, analyzed or written about, but this was the most recent thing, so I, I liked it a lot. Cool. All right, so picture it, Austin, Texas, 1996. This is the story of the murder of 35-year-old Penny Skaggs. I, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Her name sounds familiar. <laughs> You've sure. talked about it before, maybe. No. Not, like, done it, but, like... Maybe? I don't know. Have I? Skaggs is very particular. Mm. It's fine. It, okay. <laughs> you always know. You always think I know about your murder, but I always feel like you know about mine, which is <laughs> Well, weird. I think it's because most of the time I'm like, oh, I think I've heard of that. And then you get into it and I'm like, <laughs> no, no, I haven't. Um, so to just go ahead and like kind of put this out there, um, a few episodes ago, I covered the murder of Betty Gore. So this is basically if instead of the murder of Betty Gore being into uh, it turned into like a very mild and censored lifetime movie. It was turned into um, like a rated R HBO movie. Okay. So there's a lot more violence and sex and religion and scandal and uh, a lot less humor and innocence. Is that your phone going off? That was my phone. So I'm just going to make sure Brennan's not coming home early so I can let him know. Okay. Pausey pause. It was just Snapchat. Just Snapchat. Back to what I was saying. Yes. So HBO, murdery, religious Yeah. So like how Betty Gore was like kind of funny and we made fun of like the whole affair aspect. Right. And it was like silly and like. We laughed our way Nerdy Southern people. Yeah. Um, it's not as long and um, it's a little more serious. So. Okay. Back to what I was saying. Penny Skaggs. She would originally be from Tulsa, Oklahoma. She was the oldest sibling with three younger sisters. Uh, I think two of them were twins, actually, and I'll refer to them a lot in uh, the trial and such. Um, But she would grow up in a very strict Southern Baptist home. And, yeah, religion would be a huge part of Penny's life up until the day that she was murdered. So once again, a parallel with Betty religion. Uh, When Penny was only 19 and in college, she would meet her future husband, Roger Skaggs, who was 21 at the time. 
Uh, When Roger graduated and joined the U.S. Air Force as a lieutenant, Penny chose to drop out of school and support her husband. Uh, Roger's tour of duty had the couple actually moving 12 times in 13 years. Yikes. That's like insanity. Um, Shit, those sacrifices they make. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Uh, Including a two-year stint in Tokyo during the Vietnam War. So, I mean, kind of heavy. Penny was more or less completely at Roger's disposal and incredibly submissive. Um, They at some point adopted a child, uh, a little girl named Sarah. I didn't see much more information on that, like uh, like when exactly it occurred, if she was a baby or if she was 10 uh, or whatever. But regardless, they adopt a child. Um, I didn't know if it was because of infertility from either parties or if it was just like, hey, we're like in our 40s. We don't want to like get pregnant. Let's just adopt a child. There was no sort of uh, explanation. Okay. Right. Good for them, though. That's still pretty cool. Sure. <laughs> Unless Sarah murders her. Oh, God. (laughs) No. Well, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Penny would fill up her free time with arts and crafts, uh, specifically framing Bible verses that she had written out in calligraphy. She was very good at that. Um, Penny's active faith in the teachings of the Bible led her to strive for an exemplary life of service. And everyone who knew her describes her as, quote, the kind of person who just loved to help. Or as one friend commented, quote, if she uh, knew of a need, she would meet it. So, you know, she seemed like a very giving and um, understanding woman and wanted to just kind of help out wherever she could. Yeah, what religious people are supposed to be. There you go. Instead of hateful and (laughs) divisive. (laughs) Helpful and wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're supposed to. Calligraphy. I'm sorry. Calligraphy is so cool. Wow. It really is, though. really is. I know. I'm very envious of people that know how to do things Mm -hmm. that aren't what i know how to do anyway (laughs) penny's faith in uh biblical teaching led her to create a role for herself as the subservient wife so by all accounts yeah cassie just gave a massive head roll major (laughs) like cool be a housewife like that's awesome but don't be subservient Uh, this was the 90s anybody you know yeah i know uh by all accounts the skaggs home was a shrine of cleanliness and order although penny's sisters say it wasn't always that way They claim that Penny and Roger clashed in personality in some ways in their early years of marriage, but Penny labored to make the marriage work. Roger was a very meticulous person, and she became much more particular and organized because that was what Roger expected and required of her. So the subservient thing was, I think, always kind of instilled in her, but marrying a man that was a little more on the dominant side Mm -hmm. and particular side just kind of uh, exacerbated that. Okay. Um, let's see. Penny began. (laughs) This is another parallel. Uh, she began teaching a course called Creative Counterpart, just like uh, marriage. Yeah, marriage encounters. (laughs) I always want to say re-encounter. I kept (laughs) putting that up. Creative Counterpart, which provides, quote, biblically based guidelines for wives. The primary principle of the book is that a husband should love his wife and a wife should respect and obey her husband. So not love your husband, but respect and obey. So that's nice. No judgment, but kind of. So much judgment. I know. That's not okay. It's not healthy. I'm sorry. It's fine. Keep going. For example, creative counterpart suggests that even if a wife wife suspects that her husband may be out until the wee hours of the morning because he is having an affair, she should still meet him at the door with dinner prepared at whatever hour he arrives home because it is best not to, quote, meet an insult with an insult. Poison. Poison. It's all poison. Because, you know... Why communicate about your problems and feelings when you can just 
suppress them. Hey, do you feel undervalued, underappreciated, and alone? Welcome well, to shut that counterpart. shit down and make a pie. Yeah, like, God <laughs> fucking damn it. Yay. Oh, the 90s. Oh, religion. That's fine. Oh, every oh. decade. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I add kind of all that in there because it's kind of important to the case and the personalities it's that we're dealing with. Yeah. Okay. Um, so over the years, hundreds of women took Penny's nine-week course, many repeating it two or three times because, you know. Because their husbands are cheating and they're trying to figure out how to deal with yeah, it. It didn't work. Oh, my God. Right, right, right. <laughs> This was a major part of Penny's life. She didn't work. Um, you know, Roger was the breadwinner and the couple were empty nesters at this point. So this was her main priority and hobby, if you will. Um, so we know a bit about Penny. So let's hear about Roger. Mm. So in 1996, when the murder occurs, Roger was 59. So there's an age difference that I actually didn't put together. I was more, again, focused on Sarah's age. Wait we'll a second. To. Let's do that math real quick, because if they got married when he was 21. Oh, and she was 19. So that doesn't make sense math again i'm gonna start this over because i don't even know okay so according to that they're 24 years apart right but it said that and if he was 21 then that would mean 19. she wasn't born yet hmm, this article fucked up big the time. article fucked up yeah. it's not hannah's fault it isn't. because hannah would have 100 percent put that impossible math together yeah no i would i have though we know my history uh, maybe was he math. 49 i don't know man we're going with it i don't give a fuck anymore. well but if he was 14 years older than her then that would still be like he married a child maybe their ages are correct when they got married but they got the age of her death wrong and i just wrote it down wrong i don't know maybe okay because it would sound more convincing if she was 56 to 36 or 55 instead of 35. Yeah, that's 35 is an empty nester. That's like. Yeah, that's weird. Okay. And their adopted child is 26. So I don't think that works. This is great because this is a mistake I usually make. So. Thanks, man. 2019. All the math. <laughs> so Penny was um, a certain age at her death. And Roger was 59. Okay. And not to laugh at the victim, but she was no. of age of some kind. Of some particular austin chronicle i now uh completely retract what i said earlier you <laughs> fucked up katie you fucked scathing up. holes in exactly. the reporting that i didn't catch until now oh are you looking it up i am but keep okay, going i'm probably not gonna find anything um 54 what the fuck how did i get 35 i don't know uh i don't know i've done that shit before too though where like a number someone fucks up an age and I don't catch it and then I'll go it's happened at least I'm five times I'm totally gonna like cut that whole thing out and just start from I'll just start again okay how about that she was 54 when she 35 that was the fucking Austin Chronicles Huge mistake. fault <clears throat> start fresh alright <laughs> Penny isn't 35 let's just put that out there we Googled it. She's 54 at the time yes, of her death. At the time of her death. We just wasted like eight minutes of recording and now we're starting over. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, so Penny's 54. We know about her. Let's talk about Roger. 1996, uh, when Penny is murdered, he's 59. According to Cassie, which is according to the month, that math makes sense. Pretend to just go with it, okay? Go with it, guys. Um, according to most, Roger was meticulously dressed and groomed. He was very formal in his manner, not very friendly, very detached when socializing with people, interacting with others. His hobbies included uh, ham radio that we talked about when we first recorded this was... Parallel to the icebox. <laughs> there you go. And a uh, military kind of vibe as well. And then hunting. So, I mean, that's kind of normal for most men. 
um, it's fine. Yeah. You, you know. like to tinker with things and a lot of people kill animals for sport. Which Guns I don't and get. yeah. Yeah. Starting with uh, his commission in the Air Force, Roger had always been in positions of authority in his work and was one of 10 elders at the First Evangelical Free Church. Super religious. It's a, it's, Which is fine. That's totally fine. I don't really just, know what an elder means. Who knows what um, all that. I mean, I do know, but I, it's not like a deacon or an assistant pastor or associate pastor, but he's like one of the top dudes. I think my dad was an elder in the church I grew up in, and basically it was like an assistant. Like he pastored the marriage okay so there was like a subcategory yeah so he was like high up and he was respected and he had some authority is what i gathered in my six-year-old brain (laughs) so um neighbors and family members describe roger as egotistical and a self-centered man Mm. that's good okay one neighbor even recalls the evening that Roger six. <laughs> this is so good. He successfully earned his private uh, pilot's license, and Penny organized an impromptu party at um, their home to celebrate. Aww. Um. Quote: There were chairs all around in the den where the guests were seated enjoying the party, and Roger said, "Quote: Now everybody tell a little experience pertaining to me getting my pilot's license." Oh my God! What a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Um, after a short period of time, the neighbor said, I better go check on the dog. And another neighbor got up too. The two went outside and looked at each other and just said, can you believe that? So Roger definitely seems like a blast. Yeah. Uh, to be around. Everyone shake my hand, pat me on the back, tell me how great I am. Yeah. Tell me a story about how much you love me. Or get the fuck out. Um, up until Sarah was adopted, Penny's sisters claim Roger collected Playboy magazines and kept them in a leather in leather bound volumes. He was a, quote, strongly sexual oriented man, adding that he liked Penny wearing super short skirts and had a wandering eye for younger women. Just like you were kind of shaking your head. None of that really seemed damning information as damning information to me. I feel like except that he's a big fat hypocrite. You know, yeah, religious well, on one yeah, end. Yeah, okay, and that's an actually a good point. I didn't really think about that because in the church's mind, all that stuff is bad. Yeah, like it sounds like kind of character assassination and judgment upon the sisters side right. of things. But I mean, let's be real. Every guy's looked at a Playboy magazine or watched yeah. porn, or you know, they all like short skirts. Most of them, and like a younger woman. So I feel like if I'm I grabbed really not surprised. Ten people's phones <laughs> and typed www.por. <laughs> Into the search bar, nine out of ten phones would automatically complete Pornhub. Well, I mean, unless they don't clear their search history, but I mean, if you're if it's your personal phone, I'm talking yeah, about random ass people. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, like the Playboy shit. It's there's like, nothing wrong with that. It's normal. You're it's a hypocrite, natural, it's fine. but there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. Yes, but porn if, is fine. If you're involved in a religious setting, I could see how that definitely is hypocritical because it is frowned upon, and that could sure. serve. As a further character assassination because Correct. it's like yeah. he lived this life, but yeah, he had a deviant side. So like, ooh. Right. Yeah. Back when you had to get <laughs> physical copies of magazines. But to the look leather at bound pics. like volumes is a little creepy. It is. It's. That's a little. Mu- that's like. That's what you do to baseball cards that are worth money. And Playboy's. They can be. They can be worth I mean, money, but in 1996, on, I don't think you're thinking about that. Yeah. That's a little extensive. But who yeah. knows what the intent was. Is leather particularly easy to wipe jizz from? That's gross. <laughs> Could that be why? <laughs> no comment. Okay, that's fine. Moving on. <laughs> I don't know, but you, you put yeah, them in there for a reason. Not, we're done. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
Uh, all right. So that's the uh, lovely couple for you. So let's get to her murder on uh, <laughs> on Wednesday, March 6th, 1996. Penny sat down at her piano to relax after dinner. Roger had just left home to return to his office after eating the meal Penny had prepared. When Roger returned home from the office around 915, he called 911. EMTs arrived to discover Penny covered in blood lying near the piano. Now. Around 5.30 p.m. that same afternoon, Penny had called Roger, who was the CEO of American Physician Services Systems. Part of the article. Whatever. And I had money. Interrupting a meeting he was in to ask him to come home for dinner. Roger had already been home for lunch that day and said he was planning to work into the evening, but eventually Penny was able to persuade him to come home for a quick dinner. Oh, wait. (laughs) Oh. It's okay. She convinced him that he could eat, have, uh, you know, have some quality time with her and still have time to go back to the office for any last minute work. Now, the entire year leading up to Penny's murder, Roger had been away on business more often than usual. And he had returned from a business trip only the day before. Another parallel with Betty Gore. Yep. Uh, what Penny suspected but did not know for certain was that Roger's increasing absence was due as much to the affair he was carrying on with 28-year-old secretary, a 28-year-old secretary in his office, mm-hmm. as it was to uh, his business responsibilities. <laughs> so according to Roger Skaggs, however, he went directly home from work that Wednesday, ate dinner with Peggy, changed from his business suit to uh, blue jeans, plaid shirt, denim jacket, loafers, blah, 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 he was seen wearing later in the evening. And was back in his office by 7.30. Network logs from his office indicate that a document was saved and printed from his computer at 8.14 p.m. Okay. (laughs) And when Roger's boss arrived the next day, which his boss was a female, which was kind of cool. Hell yeah, 1996. (laughs) Um, Roger's completed presentation was waiting on her desk. So it was, you know, there's an electronic proof that Roger was-ish at his office at some point in the evening. Which is rare for that time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Roger says he then drove home, uh, drove home and found Penny lying on her left side on the floor between her canary yellow baby grand piano and the piano bench. Yellow piano. Woof. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's like, that's a lot. Oh. That's fine. Uh, so basically, kind of Roger has a mild alibi at this point, okay? Mm-hmm. But uh, he's also a cheater. He's also, like, his character is kind of cr- Rumbling he likes to jizz bit. on the other, all that, you know, I mean, classic. logically. <laughs> hmm. It's almost, oh God, it can almost draw a parallel to the fucking um, Lacey Peterson's case where Scott's office computer, mm. like in the warehouse, there was activity during yeah. the time that he claimed to have been there. But like, hey, you pop in real quick, you do a beep bop boop, and well, then you like I'll rush back. It. Okay. A beep bop boop. Beep boop bop. <laughs> After calling 911, Roger immediately phoned his close friends and neighbors, Arthur and Diana Coleman. To come trample into the crime scene? Um, no, no. But that is very reminiscent of, like, JonBenet Ramsey. Of, like, let's go get the neighbors so they can find the body type shit and see everything. But no. Um, Roger told Diana that he had found Penny lying on the floor in a pool of blood. And then when police later speak with Diana, she expressed concern to Roger on the phone, like that phone call that he called and was like, hey, come over, you know, Penny's on the floor bleeding. Um, she expressed that Penny may have hemorrhaged due to lingering health problems from a bout of, a, of pneumonia about six months prior. And we'll go into that, too. But um, mm-hmm. she also tells police that Roger replied to her concern with, quote, no, it looks like she's been beaten up. So according to Roger or excuse me, according to Arthur, Diana's husband. 
Diana's first thought was, quote, oh, my God, he's finally killed her. Shit. Finally. The word finally. Yeah. So, yeah, we go into all that stuff. So wanting to help Roger and check on her friend Penny, Diana, this is, you know, again, all the neighbors, all the phone calls, Betty Gore, all the way. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Diana called up her neighbor, George Wheeling. I think it's Wheeling. Welling? Wheeling? I don't know. To Mm -hmm. escort her over to the Skaggs home. Uh, George remembers knocking on the door and no one answering. So he goes around the backyard again. Jesus, God. Right? Remember, Roger's supposed to be at home at this point because he's found Penny. Yeah. He's called the police. He's called Diana. So it was kind of weird that he didn't answer the door, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. As, uh, you're expecting the police. Mm-hmm. Like, you should yeah. be there to answer uh, the door. In the near vicinity. Uh-huh. On his way around the side of the house, George heard the sirens of approaching police. So he's turning back around. He's going to go back uh, and head to the front of the yard to meet them. When he sees Roger strolling up casually, emerging quietly from the darkness of the bushes. Super casual. Police and fire... What the fuck? <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. It's fine, it's fine. <laughs> Me too. Uh, police and fire personnel asked Roger what had happened. And according to George, who was listening close by quote he just kind of muttered that he thought she was dead that was really strange to me to act that way but then he acted like he was going to collapse so i gave him a hand end quote since the police would not allow roger back into his home to sit down and rest because obviously it's a crime scene george put his arm around roger's shoulder and helped him into a chair this is when george noticed that roger did not appear to have a drop of blood anywhere on him This would be a huge red flag since the crime scene inside the home was noticeably violent and bloody. So if Roger had attempted to help Penny or see if she was okay, you'd think he might have uh, some blood on him somewhere. But with the case, the Christmas case, you know, could he have had the... We'll see what we go Devil's advocate. But also, if I saw... Brennan lying in a pool of blood. My first thought would be check their I'm pulse. checking if he's okay. Right. I don't give a fuck Hug about them the crime because scene. you're sad. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's your it's your husband. It's your spouse. You know, it's not your ex girlfriend. But it's not a leather bound Playboy. <sighs> That's right. So you didn't can't feel any need to feel it up. I don't know. Was, I don't know. Either. Crass. Was bad. It's okay. A woman's dead here. I Anna. know. You're <laughs> right. God. <laughs> Damn it. So what exactly happened to Penny? This is bad news. Oh, no. It's a rough one, okay? Um, Penny had been beaten in the head and stabbed repeatedly in the neck and upper body. The den where she was found, however, appeared almost completely undisturbed, save for a few splatters of Penny's own blood on the piano and the blood collecting under her body. So just to kind of clarify... Uh, I know I kind of said that the crime scene was violent and bloody, but it wasn't like a total blood blood bath where there's like shit all over the walls and drag marks and all that. It was deemed violent and gory because of how much damage was done to Peggy herself. But with the, are we thinking that the body was moved? Yeah. To the den? Okay. Ish. Okay. Ish. Okay. Kind of explain so it. it so did, it didn't, the blows didn't happen because there was no like blood spatter in mm. the den. We go into it again. Okay. It's, okay. it's a unique one. Um, Other evidence of the crime would be on the kitchen counter where a watered down pool of blood or a pool of what later proved to be Penny's blood. uh, Police found one of two diamond necklaces that Penny wore daily. So there's a little kind of poolage, if you will, of Mm -hmm. blood on the kitchen counter. And in the middle of it is a diamond necklace of Penny's. Okay. Um, In the master bedroom, Penny's jewelry chest had been emptied into the bathtub and its drawers had been thrown on the floor. Roger Skaggs' fingerprints were later lifted from two of the plastic drawers, by the way. Not a drop of blood was found in the bathroom and police found no other blood or useful fingerprint evidence everywhere or anywhere else in the house. 
leading crime scene expert Bob Henderson to conclude that, quote, whoever dumped the drawers, uh, dumped the drawers out, did it before the murder or after the cleanup. Penny's sisters say that knowing her habits as well as they did, several seemingly trivial details struck them um, about the scene of Penny's murder. So her her younger sister, Carolyn, recalls that in later years, Penny had kind of relaxed a bit um, on her cleaning routine and would occasionally, (laughs) look out, play hymns on the piano before doing the dishes after dinner. But only if Roger wasn't home. Oh, okay. 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 Otherwise, she got straight to work. <laughs> oh, God. Um, this is oh, bad. I know. I'm sorry. Penny. I know. Like, her life beforehand right. was just this subservient. I know. I know. If Roger was home, she would do the dishes immediately and not play the piano because her playing distracted him. God, for fucking bed. She can never have any joy around him because, right, right, right. yeah, and yeah, then yeah, he eventually yeah. She's a woman. Her. It's fine. I don't like that. Dr. Roberto Bayardo, chief medical examiner for Travis County, confirms that the contents of Penny's stomach at the time of her death, which was a cup of carrots, bean, beans, and barley, were undigested. Kind of weird dinner, but okay. Uh, suggesting that she was killed within an hour after eating. Which he said was around 7, 637-ish. He got back to the office around 730, allegedly. Okay. There- so that oh. timeline immediately does not. Correct. Therefore, the sisters take away that the fact that Penny's body was found in front of her piano and the fact that the dirty dishes were still in the sink as proof that she was killed sh- is proof um, that she was sh- killed shortly following dinner and after Roger had told her he was returning to work. Mm. So based on her kind of what she does when Roger's there versus what she does when he's not there, didn't line up. Yeah. So there's almost like a missing 40, 45 minutes from mm. the timeline. Enough time to change and to clean and to go log on to your computer. <laughs> oh my god. I just like totally detached my bra. God damn it. Okay, you see mine? I know. Immediately it came off. Yeah. <laughs> what is riot? No bras. Burn the bras. No, it's a good bra. Oh, okay. It's a third love bra. Okay. We're not burning it. Oh, yeah. She's third love. Sit. Proud sponsor. <laughs> just kidding. According to Dr. Vincent DeMaio, chief medical examiner of Bexar County and a consultant to the DA's office on this case, Penny was attacked from behind, possibly while sitting at the piano, and struck, A, with a galvanized steel pipe that had exposed threading and a cap at one end. So I'm not entirely certain how to picture that. Sounds pretty uh, serious. Where does one get one of those? A pipe store. Yeah, like, that's a very specific, that's not like a, this was lying around the house weapon. Correct. That's very strange. Good job. We, t- we talk about it. The first blow struck her right cheek, breaking her jaw and leaving an open wound with abrasions consistent with pipe threading, but not rendering her unconscious. Just oh, wait. Honey. This is bad. The second blow came while Penny was attempting to possibly escape her attacker, turning her head and holding up her right hand. So she suffered a bruise to her wrist as the second blow landed on her right jaw, breaking it again and leaving a long bruise over the right side of her face and ear. Uh, With the force of the blow, her earring cracked into two pieces, which flew to the opposite sides of the room. And at this point, Penny would have been either unconscious or losing consciousness and falling down. Three more blows of the pipe cracked her skull at their impact points, but did not crush it. With her head on the floor, the death blow was delivered to the back of her skull, shattering it completely. Two more blows, for the fuck of it, 
were then rendered across the top of her head, leaving two wide parallel gashes straight through the bone. So if you're keeping count, Penny was hit in the head with the steel pipe eight times, okay? And didn't you say, did I write this wrong? Was she stabbed in the neck? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So me yeah. writing the word overkill is not premature. It's... No, it's right on. Holy fuck. I know. The crime scene suggested that the bludgeoning uh, certainly occurred on the far left side of the piano. So this is where we kind of get into what you were saying staging wise. Um, because of the pattern of blood spatter found there at the hinge of the propped open piano top. So... Penny was found in front of the piano lying on her left side with her head pointing to the left side of the piano. Her knees were kind of drawn up to like tucked under her a little bit and her feet were touching the piano pedals and the piano bench was scooted up directly behind her body as if she had been sitting there playing and just fallen over. So in other words, following the attack with the pipe, her body was moved several feet and a scene was totally staged so okay. she was beaten up and like they just made it look like she was just kind of like casualing there okay i know it's kind of hard to picture that because it's weird and like how they it kind of makes it, sense like someone was trying to make it seem like there was one blow she fell and then she's dead right yeah um this is kind of weird the the sheet music that Penny always used while playing him sat open in its normal normal position on the piano, except that it was upside down. So I'm kind of assuming in kind of the scuffle and staging, the music was kind of haphazardly placed back on where it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It had fallen off in the kind of, you know, altercation and they just kind of set it back up there and like didn't think about it, you know? To maybe paint the portrait of what does she do when I'm not home? She sings hymns. I wasn't Oh, home. wow. I didn't think about that. No. I feel like it was just kind of like a... It, yeah, I feel like if you're going mistake, to that but... length to be like, her sister might say this, you would put it facing the right direction. Yeah, maybe. or it could just be like a big fuck you to the sisters of like, yeah, fuck her music. She didn't do the dishes. That's I don't true. Know. Ooh, and he's a CEO or a mm-hmm. VP. Yes, he is. Don't they say that a lot of CEOs share mm-hmm. characters as psychopaths? Yes, or they do. Yeah. Okay. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> So this is kind of the worst, okay? Mm. The stabbing. Uh, Despite the initial attack, it is possible that Penny was still breathing, which is just... Oh, God. I know. It might have triggered kind of the second wave of attack involving the stabbing. So it's just fucking terrible that, I mean, she's still alive after having her head bashed in. But now her killer fucks her up with a knife. So after potentially allegedly moving her body, staging the scene kind of thing, the killer came at Penny with a long thin French carving knife, which was later discovered missing from her own knife block. Yikes. Shit, those are fucking heavy yeah, duty I knives. I picture it was super creepy. Like, I, I know what you did last one. summer type shit. No, thanks. I'll pass. That's, they're so, there's, <laughs> that one, that one hanging up. No, thanks. Oh, um, God. Although no bloody footprints or fingerprints were found between the den and the kitchen. Um, There are, sorry, there were no bloody fingerprints prints or footprints found between the um den and the kitchen so it's believed this is even worse that the killer had both the knife and the pipe at uh at the ready basically when the killing began so they had both options at that point yeah uh lying on her left side she was (sighs) stabbed through the right side of her neck and out the left the knife was pulled out of her neck so violently that it slashed outward opening her throat from right to left she was then stabbed twice above and once through her breastbone. On all three stabs, the knife was so forcibly pushed through her chest that it went all the way through her body and out her back. I mean, I have to, like... <laughs> I'm still fucking with my bra that got loose. That's like... You went... Yeah. 
That's- yeah. Yeah. I know. It's awful. It's like you said overkill. It's totally overkill. That's, yeah. That's a particular type, type of, of rage. Yeah. A religious rage. Uh, guys, go get the longest knife in your kitchen because we're talking about the longest fucking yeah. knife in your kitchen. Imagine that going all the way through a body, back mm-hmm. out, through the neck, back out. It's serrated. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, Fuck. you're going through your, your, you know, your sternum, yeah. your clavicle, your chest the cavity, force that's organs. Needed. Yeah. Your ribs. Like it's bad. Jeez. Um, finally, she was stabbed straight through her left shoulder. Just to. Just in case. You know. None of these stabs, stab wounds resulted in any significant bleeding, however, because Penny's blood pressure had already ceased as a result of her head wounds. Mm-hmm. So she was basically just not she, she didn't, non-existent, yeah. um, which kind of makes you feel better because hopefully she yes. didn't really feel any of that, but I don't know. She didn't know that happened to her. Hopefully not. Um, the few short straight blood spatters found above the keyboard of the piano may have come from the blood projecting off the knife during the stabbing. So okay. it could have just been uh, when they lifted up and hacked again. Um, the scene also suggests that a single spot of Penny's blood found several feet away on the coffee table men ha- may have been uh, shot off the end of either the pipe or the knife. It's undetermined. But no other blood evidence was found in the den besides the pooling of Penny's blood underneath her and the miscellaneous spatter that I just kind of went over. So major aggression, serious overkill, Mm -hmm. very personal. Yes, very personal. Uh, Roger was obviously taken to the police station for questioning. (laughs) Um, I'll kind of spare you guys the reading of his statements during the interview, but more or less he is very weird, kind of implicating himself, but not really, just kind of gives weird hypothetical scenarios and stuff of like, if he was the killer, what would he have done? Or whatever, Ugh. like, you know, very OJ, like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's amazing. if you, I did it. You can be a high-powered CEO <clears throat> and still be a fucking dumbass, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, Because you don't think do you're going to get caught. Right, because like, you're, like, you're oh, so man. arrogant. And you're mm, so, yeah, yeah, you're... Yeah. Now, oh, man, the couple's daughter. Oh. I need to take a drink for this one. Oh, Sarah. Oh, Sarah, not really. Uh, couple's daughter, Sarah. Like I said, all these ages are fucking dumb. But she was 26 when she, supposedly, I fucking, I don't even know now. She was 26 when she learned of her, her mother's murder. Go ahead. Yes. Maybe. Did I get the ages wrong? No, because maybe was, Penny was 35 when they adopted oh, her. Oh, good call. Maybe. That could have happened. Even know. Yeah. Um, Sarah had a strained relationship with her parents. I mean, I don't want to say, obviously, because you were adopted, because I know that there are so many great relationships that happen and wonderful families through adoption. But. Based on what I read about Sarah, she didn't seem uh, cooperative, I guess. She it was a little bit of a rebel. to yeah. the difficulties. Um, she struggled to deal with the hold that religion had on her family. She uh, kind of uh, grew up being a very rebellious goth girl. She got married and divorced at a very young age. Um, but throughout all this, they like sent her to this weird like camp and tried to reform her. It's like uh, pray the gay away kind of thing. But she yeah. wasn't gay. It was just like kind of pray the goth away. Mm-hmm. Kind of. I don't know. It was strange. No, that was totes a thing. Totes my goats. Oh, God. But yeah, throughout all this, she always remained really close to her father. Very, very close. No. We'll see. Uh, in fact, she was also one of the few people who knew about her father's affair with uh, 28 year old secretary, Vanessa Ferguson. Of course, her name is Vanessa. Vanessa. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Come on. So I thought it was funny because Roger was 59 dating a 28 year old. And at the time of Penny's death, Sarah was 26 and she was dating a 51 year old. So 
No judgment, but daddy issues judgment? Yes? No? Maybe? maybe. I don't know. Like, when That's you, a the lot way, of years. Come on. The way you said the things, it made me think that the dad was fucking the adopted I'll tell daughter. you. I'll tell you right now. Also super fucking weird, besides the whole, like, weird parallel of dating, um, is that one Halloween when Sarah was 14, Roger took her to Victoria's Secret and bought her a bra and a corset and dressed her in high heels to take her trick-or-treating. Yeah, he's a fucking pedophile. He's a hypocrite. He's a sick bastard. Yeah. These playboys are not so innocent anymore. And they adopted a This daughter. is all alleged. It's okay. all alleged. This was from one of Penny's sisters, test or like, you know, relaying this information. So who knows? But it's still a a, a, um, a theory or a it's rumor. Creepy as it's creepy That's a bad rumor. Dads don't, even single dads are like, uh, I don't want to take you bra shopping. Right. Uh, I've uh, never been ever anywhere near any of that with my father nope Never. i don't know like i would get I, I hang my bras to dry them when i lived with my parents i would feel weirded out if my dad came into my room and i had like 12 bras hanging up to dry yeah yeah like, you i know, don't wear boobs like, what are you talking about i don't wear bras yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not really a girl dad there's nothing here very yeah it inappropriate. was yes absolutely especially I don't even want to say especially, but also like this isn't even this sounds bad, but like this is also like through the government. Mm-hmm. You are taking care of this child. Yes. You know no. what I mean? It's it's there's almost, no comparison, but it's still even creepier because it's like it lends this itself to the incestual idea thing could actually happen. Yes. This particular well, child. It's all gross, to but like to... it's like you almost think it's OK because it's not your real kid and you're taking advantage of this like child that's growing up in the system and like weird fucked up other realms of stuff. Do you know what I mean? You're not jumping you're not like uh what's the what's the out on a ledge with that like you're not i don't know i don't know you're fucking a what am i even trying to say like you're not going too far-fetched with that shit oh, okay. like you're not yeah you're not filling in too many blanks on no. your own like yeah that thank you totally makes sense sure. you're welcome Look roundabout way strap. it's like you <laughs> God really damn it. <laughs> my boobs are huge these days <laughs> oh, okay anyway you don't have to like pull your shirt it's fine. It's fine. Um. So, yeah, lots of thoughts on that. I wouldn't really know where to begin, even though we kind of went over it. But I just yeah. wanted to kind of give a little scandalous background info on the family dynamic for later use when we uh, talk about the trial. So at this point, Penny's brutally murdered. Roger looks sketchy as fuck. Sarah probably needs to see a therapist. But um, nonetheless, the investigation is underway and funeral plans are uh, able to finally be made now at the funeral home oh man the funeral director asked roger if he knew what kind of dress penny would need due to her, her injuries from the murder roger replied that she would obviously need something with a high neck because of the cuts to her throat had that been released by police sarah hearing this was distressed by the news because she had no idea that a knife had been used in the murder motherfucker in fact, Roger himself should not have known about the stab wounds either because he says that he saw her body only from the back and never picked her up or even turned her over. So that might explain the lack of blood on his clothing. But he claims he walked into the house from the garage where he parked his car, looked around for Penny. He noticed <laughs> fucking cocksucker. He noticed the dirty dishes in the sink. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> fucking what's his name the beavers whatever fucking, leave it to beaver yeah june and 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 whatever the fuck that misogynistic dick's name was yeah. i don't know he probably wasn't it was it's the fine. 50s it's it was all, all fiction as well yeah uh he noticed the dirty dishes in the sink he thought quote that's kind of funny 
meaning it was funny that the dishes weren't done. Uh, Quote continued, then I saw her head and immediately stopped. It was really horrible. She was laying in blood and her face was all bloated and bruised. She was laying on her left side. I leaned down a little bit and I almost threw up. I immediately ran back and (laughs) picked up the phone to dial 911. EMS made me go back in and touch her. It was pretty horrible. It was clear she was not alive. Then they made me get out of the house. So it's not, it's possible that he maybe knew there were neck wounds, but if he didn't, there, I don't think there's any reason for investigators to say, um, hi, do you want to know how brutally your wife was murdered? Let me tell you all the details. I don't well, think they would do that. First of all, I explain it. Second of all, okay. if I don't explain it, it's still clarified by the fact of like police would most likely not maybe tell the daughter maybe what happened to her mother, but yeah. would most likely tell the husband of, hey, mm. she was murdered in this way because you deserve to know. But also if the investigation isn't cleared, if he isn't cleared as a suspect, they're not going to let go of all those details. Right. So either way, he's fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Um. OK. Yeah. Furthermore, to add to his kind of casual knowledge about her stab wounds, according this is how we kind of answer what really happened. According to the first EMT on the scene, the lacerations and stabbings to Penny's neck were not visible to those who were attending to her body until they turned her over on her back. So regardless if the EMTs were like, hey, on the phone with him, like, go and like, see if she's okay. He wouldn't have seen that unless he turned her over and the EMTs had to turn her over. So he obviously he knew a didn't bit know more. if unless he did it, if that makes sense. Yep. You know what I mean? It does. Um, so this is why the team actually began, uh, preparations for CPR, including pulling out the defibrillator before they noticed the wounds and decided, you know, obviously resuscitation is oh. completely fruitless. So, okay. So they right. really couldn't yeah. see anything True. like that. Well, plus she's okay. like completely deformed at this point, soaked in blood. So Roger isn't looking great. Mm-mm. Um, the detectives aren't thrilled with him. They're second guessing his story, his motive, timeline. Um, they knew the murder weapons were missing and some jewelry had been taken from the home. So they decide to get a warrant and search the dumpsters at his office. So they deduce that if Roger did kill Penny, he did so and returned to his office to keep kind of on theme with his alibi, taking um, the majority of the evidence with him to dispose of at some point. Hence why they wanted to search the dumpsters. Mm-hmm. The dumpsters were both uh, full, bursting with construction trash, landscaping debris, and hundreds of identical full garbage bags, each closed with a twist tie. Um, Armed only with the knowledge of Penny's wounds and the fact that that the jewelry might be missing from the scene, APD Sergeant (laughs) Al Els, Eels, I don't know, A-L, E-E-L-S, that's a version of uh, Forensic Files, if I've ever heard one. That's just, like, hard to say. I don't know. Slight sidebar. Els? Els? Eels? Have you ever seen, uh, oh. Probably not. It's not Fly of the Concords. It's Mighty Boosh. No. Oh, there's a song they do. It's Eels up inside ya, finding the entrance where they can. It's gross and it's funny, but. I don't like. Eels eels. are creepy as fuck. Uh, Yeah, they're sea snakes. Right. Snakes are the creepiest fucking things in the world. I'm terrified of them. And sea snakes? Sea snakes. Yeah. Yeah. So, Al. Terrifying. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay. I just, we rewatched, uh. What we do in the shadows with the guys from Flight of the or one guy from Flight of the Concourse where they're vampires and it's like a oh, mockumentary. Okay, yeah, yeah, it was great. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's fine. Um, so Al and his assistants went about picking each item out of the dumpsters one by one. So super grody, but um, basically just searching for the murder weapons and the jewelry. 
this is like on a fucking major hunch or just going with what they have lead wise, just trying to do what they can, which is kind of cool. Honestly. Yeah. Um, so below four feet of garbage bags was a layer of sod and leaves sticking up from which was one lone garbage bag. So to uh, Sergeant Eels, Ells, whatever, this uh, garbage bag appeared different than the rest. It was a different color and a different sheen. It was only half full um, and was not closed. APD. I know. Like amateur hour, like close the fucking shit. I don't know. I know. Or use, I don't know, pick a, grab a trash bag from the construction site, obviously nearby. You don't have like a rubber band or a thing. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Burn it? You can't burn it? No, you can't because burn it's only it? 40 minutes. Fucking yeah. um, idiot. His photo technician took several pictures of the bag before he opened it and he gingerly pulled back the edge of the bag to reveal the pipe and the knife. This is fucking Clue right now in the library yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that were used to kill Penny along with her wedding ring, tennis bracelet, and B-shaped diamond necklace. Five surgical type latex gloves and three paper towels with minute drops of Penny's blood coating every item found in the trash bag. What a fucking loser piece of shit. Yeah. Idiot. Like, yeah. how arrogant, like, do you have to be They're to not realize, not realize that you are the dumbest fucking criminal alive? Mm-hmm. You get caught, like, two well, he doesn't hours think after that anyone's going to, like, completely discount his testimony or his, his statement. So he's like, why, why would they follow me and trace me back to my dumpsters? Because you're a sketchy, creepy-ass motherfucker. They could be lucky enough that trash was on Thursday instead of Friday or whatever. That's you know what I mean? So in the Believed podcast, Larry Nasser oh. gets fucking caught because trash was, like, couple hours late picking up parallels. and they dug through all shit. So many parallels. <laughs> all right. So while Sergeant Al... Oh, what a piece of shit. ...was searching the dumpster. Roger was meeting uh, for a follow-up interview with police. He was riding in another APD sergeant's car, David Carter, uh, to travel the route that he's claiming he took between his office and the home on the evening that Penny was murdered, okay? So as soon as they got in the car, Sergeant Carter recalls that Roger turned to him and said, quote, there's something I think you need to know. And proceeded to admit to him that he was having an affair with Vanessa Ferguson. Uh, Roger said that Vanessa was the only one who could corroborate that he had come back to the office that evening because she was the only one there when he returned. And in fact, the electronic security records from his office indicate that Vanessa was indeed at the building that evening. However, no such records exist for Roger because as an executive, he had a private, unmonitored entrance to the building. She was in on it. She was there to be his witness. <laughs> so, remember, there was, as you're already understanding, there was uh, a document printed at, what, 814, whatever it was, from his computer at his work. All that shit was turned into his boss, yada, yada. That was supposed to kind of prove that he had been there. But really, at this point, since his security badge or whatever the fuck, like, it doesn't record, you know, or it doesn't keep, like, record-wise. It, you know, it, it doesn't really prove anything that he was there or not. So this Vanessa bitch could have, like, we're kind of insinuating, totally have been the one to print the stuff at 8-whatever, essentially be the, being the one to create his alibi, making it seem like he was there, but he wasn't. But that's just us. Oh, my God. And <clears throat> she had Betty. Betty? Penny. Penny had a P-shaped diamond necklace like p-shaped you said p-shaped no when b-shaped v-shaped v v is vagina p v why v it was a tennis bracelet 
I don't know. Or a V-shaped diamond. So did I read that wrong? A tennis bracelet and a V-shaped diamond necklace. So, I mean, it could have just been the design. Oh, V-shaped. I heard B-shaped. Oh, and then no. I was like, Betty. And then I was P. like, wait a second. I must have heard P. But no. then it wasn't either of those. Okay, but anyways, that's a that's a hefty priced Yeah, I mean, she jewel. had obviously a lot of uh, nice shit. Yeah, so this fucking 28-year-old secretary bitch is like, I'm going to be bankrolled by this motherfucker. So, like. So you think she was in on it? Like, I hardcore? think 100% she was in on it. All right, we'll find out. Okay. Um, so in reference to Vanessa, it seemed that Penny had kind of begun to suspect Roger's relationship with her sometime in the fall of 1995. So when Penny came down with that case of pneumonia that eventually landed her into the hospital, Roger was pretty much out of town for the most of her illness, which is super fucked up. He visited Penny only once in the hospital. Husband of the year award. Mm. He went. Providing little comfort or assistance to her. The weeks before she was even admitted. So she's dying of illness at home, then goes to die in the hospital, essentially. Yeah, he's thinking, fucking I got off so easy. Wait. Oh, my God. (laughs) Penny spent um, most of her recovery with her sisters in North Texas. And Roger, this is fantastic, instructed his wife, quote, not to come back until she could take care of him in the house. Despite her, well... We'll get to your point in just a second. Despite her uh, verbal and emotional abuse, uh, Penny knew divorce couldn't be an option. That would ruin her marriage, her ministry, and obviously her reputation and outward appearance. Mm. So kind of pretty sad stuff, honestly. yeah. But the pneumonia aspect we'll get to. Um, This is awful. 600 people turned out for Penny's funeral on Sunday, March 10th, but only a handful made the trek to North Texas the following day to attend her actual burial, which Roger had openly stated he didn't want to pay for or attend dude make it he is so fucking narcissistic and arrogant i know oh my god like what the fuck uh diana and arthur coleman the friends that were initially called when penny was found they were among those who made the trip and um although the family had agreed (laughs) to address to dress casually for the event uh, this is so good they were shocked when they saw that roger chose to wear a red white and blue leather jacket with an eagle across the back Arthur Coleman is quoted saying, I don't remember any sorrow, any regret, any anything. The jacket was out- outrageous. It screamed, I'm free. <gasps> yeah, literally. I know. Isn't that awful, though? It's so tacky. What the fuck? Right. Oh, God, this poor thing. Mm-hmm. If, if, if she She's hadn't just, like, been made so held to her reputation, she could have fucking gotten out of this shitty marriage. And yeah, she just kind of like made a mockery mm-hmm. of it at this point. But it's also kind of, of like maybe it wasn't just the ministry. It could have been financially like. Oh, there's just so again, many reasons like the, not to the, leave a marriage. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. not always just the obvious. It could just be a number of things. Oh, but, yeah. Um, not victim blaming at all. No, no, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, no, yeah. It's, no. Just, it's so just sad. sad. Right. Yeah. Um, the day after the funeral, Roger invited uh, Arthur and Diana to uh, have dinner with him and his daughter, Sarah, his daughter, air quotes. Um, sorry, that's gross. Um, and Diana. Cl- sorry. I don't know. I feel like Diana claims that she told Roger, quote, you know, they say that you shouldn't make any major decisions for the first year, meaning kind of like after the death of a spouse. Right. Roger replies. Oh, no, you know me. I'm not going to wait a year. By that time, I'll be married again two or three times over. Uh, fingerprint analysis revealed his fingerprints on the fingertips inside two of the latex gloves found in the dumpster. One of the gloves found inside out had a small drop of Penny's blood on the outside and Roger's fingerprints on the inside. So fucking idiot. Roger was arrested on Friday, March 15th, spent four days in jail before he posted bond. Hey, oh, The cash bond mm. system. 
Now, on the night of Roger's arrest, Sarah received an unexpected visitor. Do you want to guess who it was? Uh, Vanessa. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Quote from Sarah. (laughs) I'm going to make fun of Sarah so hard right now. Quote, she shows up on my door and was all excitable and really hyper. And she wanted me to go away with her, like, out of town. And I was like, I can't go out of town. My aunts are coming into town. What the hell? And she was like, she wanted to go out to the boat or something. She said, I just need to talk to you for a little while. She wanted to kill her. She wanted to kill her. She wanted to kill her. (laughs) And I was like, what? I can't leave with you. And Bob, her 51-year-old boyfriend, by the way, was there. And we were both just looking at her like she was nuts, you know. She was very bizarre that night. And I don't know. I can't remember. I guess she left. I don't think she was there for very long. She came by a second time while my father was in jail right after I had gotten off work, right after Bob came home. And she wanted to go have margaritas. And I was like, no, thank you. End quote. I don't think that could have been said in any other voice. <laughs> I don't know if I think it was spot on no thank you and no judgment but that sounds like like the voice of someone dating a 51 year old in their 20s but you know what was really sad is that i read that she was like getting her degree in like behavioral forensics and i was like right on oh yeah she was just getting fucking bankrolled you know so she talked like this uh she that's just what i gathered because like the pauses and the words it was yeah you don't have anything not that i can speak any sort of intellectual sentence any day of my life but she just sounded like not with it no, yeah. No, you know, I think that was accurate. And, you know. She just seemed very young. She's no, not on Like, trial. you're around that age, so it doesn't mean yeah. you're stupid, but it was just very, like, kind of 26-year-old-ish. Well, I kind of talk like that, just not as True. valley girlish, Same. you know? Same. <laughs> yeah. um, when asked if these odd visits aroused any suspicion in regarding uh, Vanessa's possible role in her mother's death, Sarah was cautious in her statements. <laughs> Quote. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> Uh, I won't do it. Oh. <laughs> I hate to speculate about anything. <laughs> I don't. I hate to speculate about anything I don't know about because it's been done to death on me, and I know how bad it makes me feel, especially if it's not the truth. She could have been. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> <laughs> she could have just wanted to get away from the publicity. Her parents, I think, are kind of prominent, and she could have just wanted to not embarrass them. It could have been innocent reasons or not. I don't want to speculate. End quote. I again. No, we were making fun of her, but I, she kind of makes a decent point, at least on that part of yes. just like kind of speculating and like just exactly what we're fucking doing. But she just sounds naive. I don't know. I, I know she was very close with her dad and like wants to kind of take his side. And mm-hmm. I don't know. That was just, how would you react if your father's girlfriend that was having an affair with him, who is guilty ish on trial of killing your mother, showed up at your door. I would be weirded out. Yeah, I would be suspicious as fuck. Like, why do you want yeah. me to. Right, not be like away I don't know. She wanted to, like, go away. get margaritas. Like, that was, no. Yeah, I, I don't think I would immediately jump to, she's want, she wants to murder me. I think I would jump to, I don't want there to be any character assassination on Roger. So mm-hmm. I'm going to take this man out of the equation. Yeah. Like, let's go on a long boat ride. It, it, none of it makes sense. That's yeah. why, like I said, all these people are fucking weird, okay? I think Vanessa is a piece of shit. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> like, I don't want to speculate that you had a crush on your dad, but fine. Roger Skaggs' case took two and a half years to come to trial, finally beginning on October 26, 1998, in part because the most damning evidence, obviously, was the DNA and the fingerprints, which was, you know, later 90s, still <laughs> doing its thing, kind mm-hmm. of infancy-wise. Um, so they were the DNA and the fingerprints. All that evidence was uh, subject to uh, varying interpretations, testing, expert opinions. So they really went hard on figuring out and getting all kinds of expert testimony on it. Okay. So when the f- trial finally began, it aired 
live oh. nationally on court tv which is kind of astonishing yeah featured nearly every day on the front page of the american statesman which i think is a newspaper or magazine type situation um much of the interest in the case came because roger hired for his defense the most highly acclaimed defense lawyer in the austin area and one of the best in the state which was at the time roy minton this i think I, we've mentioned him before i just looked up the oj case yeah, which yeah. Which was highly televised and shit. This was a year later, mm-hmm. you know, six months later. So, yeah, they, the media Makes was just sense. like, yum, 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 yum. People watch but this like, shit. But, like, did they air the actual court proceedings or did they just, like, go over what happened that day? I think they aired Was it, everything. like, play-by-play live action? Wow. Okay. I'm, pr- I, I, I'm pretty sure and they, they must they obviously took away that uh, privilege later because we don't do that anymore. They record it yeah. and you can obviously watch it on documentaries, but it's not a live cast. It's not fucking live. Ridiculous. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah, that I don't understand how that practice was ever allowed. No. <laughs> ever. It was the 90s. Yeah. Well, no. Throughout the trial, Sarah, of course, stuck by her father and even Penny's sisters say that they continued to Let's hear it. Exchange birthday cards and Christmas gifts with Roger until his birthday, June 1998, which was just a few months before the trial started, which I don't know about that. I wouldn't buy a Christmas gift or a birthday present for someone who killed my mom or my sister. But hey, do you? Or even someone who was so fucking cavalier and Mm. wore that hideous jacket to my sister's funeral. I'd be like, maybe he doesn't deserve a birthday card. I don't know. know, Like like, you're, you're being put on trial. I don't know. It's like kind of proven wow penny sisters uh say roger seemed surprised when they entered the courtroom in october of 1998 and they wouldn't meet his eyes it was basically a big shock to everyone that after all these months of being all buddy buddy and everything's fine uh her family decided to side with the prosecution Mm. why is everyone so dumb like wouldn't this be kind of obvious that Mm -hmm. they would but all right It's it's your sister right Sarah was also visibly upset by the sister's cooperation with the prosecution. But to be fair, I guess it's not really her mom. I don't know. And like, it's not really her mom and dad. Right. And if she's so much closer to him. Yeah. Because they're fucking and all that. Right. (laughs) Alleged. Sorry. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. She was upset with her aunt's kind of uh, dealing with the prosecution and being all buddy-buddy and sitting next to her aunt's on some days and then on other days she wouldn't even talk to them so she was kind of wishy-washy about the whole thing on which side she was taking um but for their part the sisters say that they consider sarah a victim and would welcome her back to the family with open arms at any time uh because the skags had led such exemplary lives for the most part it was difficult for the prosecution to present much evidence to suggest that roger was anything but a man in a midlife crisis having an affair that's not nothing that's not a minor infraction this and also leather-bound porn, guys. Who Come doesn't on. have that? I mean, That's true. It could have been a norm in mm. the 90s. The sisters brought forward a story of an argument between Roger and Penny that they witnessed in 1989, which they uh, attest became so heated that they felt compelled to step between the couple mm. to make sure that Roger didn't strike his wife. <sighs> oh. Even though the, the Bible says it's know. okay, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I think we talked about this before. You were allowed to rape your wife until, like, not that long ago. Yeah. And it was legal and Like, fine. it was totally fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, however, they said that they never saw another incident like it before or since and no other evidence of a quarrelsome or violent relationship between the couple was presented during the trial. The person, you're going to die. You're going to fucking die. The person with perhaps the most damning information regarding Roger and his possible motivation for killing Penny never took the stand. You guessed it. Murdered. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
girlfriend, Vanessa Ferguson, skipped town on her subpoena to appear as a material witness in the trial. And to date, when this was written, has not reappeared. She was an accessory to murder and she fucked off straight to Cuba or something. Like I tried to search for her whereabouts if she popped up in other articles of like, hey, long lost, blah, 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 witness reappeared after... So many years, couldn't find anything. Does it mean it didn't happen? But she didn't fucking show up for something that she was subpoenaed for, a.k.a. warrant out for your arrest. I Googled it. It should be a thing. Well, but we talk about it. Questions and theories. We'll get to it. Uh, Oh, God. Yeah, we even got to that. It's almost done. No, no, no. I've just been (laughs) spouting off shit this whole time. (laughs) Um, So this is kind of interesting. So due to her absence and her inability to obviously testify on her own behalf, um, evidence such as the fact that Vanessa spent the weekend at the Skaggs home prior to Penny's death and the story of her appearance at Sarah's door were never presented in court, which is neither here nor there, but kind of ish. The videotape of her interview with uh, this Sergeant David Carter was also not presented. So um, also missing throughout the guilt or innocence phase of the trial was fucking Sarah Skaggs. Forensic files, if I haven't already said it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she would not cooperate with prosecutors, and although they could have called her to the stand, luckily they chose not to because she was fucking MIA half the time anyways, hmm. which is kind of weird. I don't know. It's There's your this... mother's murder trial. I don't know. She didn't seem stable. Mm-mm. Roger Skaggs himself never took the stand, kind of surprised, because you would think that he would want to kind of put out what his version of events were. But um, the defense put on only his business associates and character as character witnesses and devoted most of its energy to discrediting the state's DNA and fingerprint evidence. Um, now, this is interesting. So although Roger's blood was... Um, let me start that over. Sorry, I did reread that sentence. Although um, Roger's blood was not found anywhere, the blood under, besides like the the gloves and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, the blood found under Penny's fingernails, a hair found on the knife, and the blood under the necklace on the kitchen counter, all initially were genetically matched with both Penny's blood and another person's blood. Not red. Which did not match either Roger, Sarah, Sarah's ex-husband, her current boyfriend, or Vanessa. What? So, like, throw a huge wrench into the matter. So, this mystery genetic evidence was eventually kind of interpreted allegedly as contamination by the technician who performed the testing, but there's no definitive answer. It could be a totally different person or it could be contamination. But, but how would they not know exactly what technicians handled it from point like what contamination it kind of was? Yeah. Why wasn't it? Why was it linked to Penny and not anyone else? Does that, does that prove contamination or does that just prove that it wasn't any of them? Yeah. Who's to say? I don't know. The defense brought uh, rival interpretations to suggest that no contamination had taken place. Obviously, prosecution fought back with more experts who said it indeed was contaminated, um, which is kind of opposite in a lot of situations, I feel like. Most of the time, it's backwards, mm-hmm. but maybe not. But the defense was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. There's no one else's blood here. Yeah. Um, there were endless hours of DNA evidence being explained during which jurors were seen snoozing, dozing off. Uh, most about everyone um, in or just about everyone in the courtroom was bored pretty much to distraction. At that point, many of those who came to court and watched every day felt that the prosecution was just completely faltering and that Roger was probably going to get off. Shit. The defense also argued that Roger used surgical gloves like the ones found in the dumpster on a regular basis for messy chores, such as changing his oil and cleaning his airplane, which wouldn't 
Penny just do that for you? But Yeah, but also <laughs> along with a pipe and a yeah, yeah. big fucking French knife. Yeah, yeah. They suggested that he could have used the gloves for some benign task after which, you know, the killer fished them out of the trash because that's how it always oh, works. Oh, yeah, yeah. Through right. four Classic. feet of trash. Yeah. Although, well, no, they meant like someone showed up at the house after he had used them, picked them out of the trash instead of gathering fresh ones and just like chopped oh, up the wife. Oh, picked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Picked yeah. them out of the trash and been like, that must have been from the husband. But his blood's in them. It's cool. Oh, my uh, God. Although the defense team, team actually never really articulated in court that Roger was framed for the murder, it was heavily implied. <gasps> Good one. <laughs> she said framed Roger up in case no one heard that. It didn't need to be admissible <laughs> um, on the podcast. <laughs> after eight hours of deliberation, which is kind of a long time, uh, the jury of eight women and four men found Roger Skaggs guilty yes i was really i was so scared in the sentencing phase of the trial the prosecution called sarah to the stand and she actually fucking showed up and testified oh my god her father has always been patient with her when asked by defense attorney minton minton how she would take it if her father were sent to prison which i feel like is completely irrelevant Mm -hmm. i mean kind of i don't know she answered, I'll be okay. <laughs> but she was clearly upset. I guess no I more mean, yeah. uh, lingerie shopping sprees, you know. She I was know. really disappointed. Because the murder was not committed in conjunction with another crime, which is interesting because you would think that maybe robbery, burglary could be attached to it because jewelry was missing, but obviously they proved that he took it, so it really wasn't. Mm-hmm. Regardless, it's not considered capital murder. So... Maximum sentence for murder in the state of Texas is, at the time, at least 99 years, which the prosecution had sought. So after two and a half hour deliberation, the same jury, they sentenced Roger to 32 years and a $10,000 fine. Oh, $10,000. Woohoo. Yeah. Penny's sisters are quoted saying, we think he definitely was thinking about it, planning it. He got involved in this affair and got by with it because nobody in the church or the office was aware of it. He had both lives and they existed together. When Penny, this is what I was going to mention earlier. When Penny got sick, it hit him that if she dies, that would solve all his problems from the pneumonia. What? Premeditation. Yeah. Is capital murder. They couldn't prove it. God damn it. Yeah. Because that's. Premeditation in conjunction with a... This is why. Wow. In support of their theory that Roger planned the murder um, is the fact that the galvanized steel pipe used in the attack was not the type of thing, like you said, that the Skaggs just kind of kept laying around the house. Uh So he must have gone out and purchased it, meaning premeditated. Yeah. But they could not track down where the pipe came from. So and I inadvertently understand not going for that if that. they're like oh, right. oh, over by one we fact that we on can't get a record of where this was purchased from. So yes, premeditated because supposedly he bought, he bought it and it mm-hmm. wasn't there before. But God damn it, this fucking hat. Anyway, <laughs> we can't prove it. Yeah. Another quote from the sisters: He knew she would fight a divorce and she would want to do counseling. Her ministry was based on that. Penny really thought that if I can look as attractive as young women are, be everything he wants me to be, he'll come back to me. Mm. I know. And her ministry would be self-fulfilling. She was a godly woman. She, uh, but she was not perfect. Her faith blinded her. Her own piety made her repulsive to Roger. At that point, he began to plan what he believed was the perfect murder. 
according to the sisters yet again. Mm. Um, the sisters say the violence of the murder was calculated to make it look like a madman had killed Penny. However, they do admit that the nature of the crime itself suggests some deep-seated emotion. Da-da. Quote from another sister. God. Oh, God. I think there was an underlying real hatred. He was, I believe, angry and attempting to destroy her and almost wipe her image off the face of the earth. She says if it had continued on Roger's affair and then a divorce, it would have absolutely destroyed Penny's ministry, everything she was living for. This is consistent with God's plan, taking her out of that situation to be in a much better place. And You're yet, fucking kidding me. And yet Roger didn't get away with it. Yeah. Uh, Roger Skaggs was eligible for parole in 2014. Hey. <gasps> Are you kidding me? Parallel with your 2014 murder. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And remains in the Duncan unit. Unless, oh, God. Uh, okay. Unless his parole is granted, he will remain in prison until November 8th, 2030. A book was written about the case back in 2007 called The Good Wife, The Shocking Betrayal and Brutal Murder of a Godly Woman in Texas, which is the longest title ever, mm. by Clint Richmond. And uh, this is fun. I want to end it on this little gem of a find, as I usually do find a really good tidbit. Mm-hmm. Um, I lastly read a post on a website called, um, this is gross, Memorable Fancies, which I don't even know. Again, fucking weird. Don't like weird. that. No, no, no. Um, so now I have no idea if this is true or if this is a personal blog. It looked like a forum. But yeah, that sounds. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I really didn't care to look into it because of the time my computer was at like 4% battery. So <laughs> anyways, this post was essentially from the author's point of view saying that he actually worked with Roger during his time before the trial began which when he had posted bond which is interesting another parallel I know depending on the stipulations of the bond like we said some have to remain home some have a security ankle bracelet Mm -hmm. some like can't there's a lot of supervised monitoring it's like really intense so it's interesting to me that Roger's being charged with murder but he's allowed to go back to work which kind of is like I question this whole post of uh, on the forum but whatever it's a red flag but this is fun so i don't give a shit an excerpt from the entry states quote some years ago i was transferred to the austin office as a vp and board member of a firm we had recently acquired a half interest in one of the execs i'd be working with was roger skaggs he then kind of goes into the crime brief kind of trial synopsis in the blog post And then he ends the entry with, quote, once in the early days working together on a report, Roger, which this is so bananas. Roger had looked over at me and said wistfully, quote, OJ got off. Yeah, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. (laughs) It was fun, right? It would be so perfect if it wasn't. But I I feel like it has to be. about OJ and it was like a thing. (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, that was the really brutal and really fucking weird. I don't even know what to think murder of Penny Skaggs. Yeah. Fuck you, Roger Skaggs. Yeah. First off. Sarah, Vanessa, sisters. I don't know what oh, yeah. to think. Fuck you, Vanessa. Fuck yeah. you. I, Vanessa, what? Ra- Robillard? Ferguson. Nope. <laughs> we can like briefly hit on questions and theories because I feel like we've hit all the way through, but <laughs> Definitely Vanessa, I feel like she had more involvement. She created that alibi or at least helped with creating the alibi of him being somewhere yeah. when he really wasn't. Whether he was there or not, she was involved. She was an accessory. Which means she should have been a part of 
the trial, a part of being arrested, she should have been charged with something like, I don't know. Fuck, man. She's about like either Penny's age right now living it up somewhere. She was scared to either be brought to trial to face Roger because she was going to testify against him or she was afraid that she was, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. That it looks bad. It like, looks super she's bad. She's town. It's no bueno. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, but I feel like we both think that she was involved in some capacity. But mm-hmm. I think that the, the testimonies from all of these people are really bizarre and kind of contradictory because some people say that Penny was like this. Some people say that Roger was like that, and relatives say otherwise. So I don't really know what to believe. Mm-hmm. Not saying that like Penny's attitude or behave or behavior, however, like nagging or emasculating or like biblical. It doesn't mean she deserved to be murdered. No. But I would like a clearer portrait of kind of what was happening in their marriage. I don't doubt that Roger did it, but I kind of wonder the extent of like outside influence and like pressures or if he was like, was he just a piece of shit? Was he a sociopath? Was he antisocial? Was he short fused and authoritative because of military background? And he just finally had enough. I don't know. And also, we can't forget the biggest issue is that DNA that was inconclusive contaminated was it tested wrong i know could it point to an accomplice it would be interesting to know that one is that that throws like you said a a big wrench into Mm -hmm. it but i still think that roger orchestrated and either did you know cause the fatal blows or he just completely I think Roger 100% did it is responsible for it in whatever capacity because you can't get rid of his evidence that was there yeah and he had everyone fooled He had even her sister's fool up until his, like, excuse me. (laughs) Wow. That was from the depths. That was weird. (laughs) I'm a frog. Um, But he had, yeah, he had everyone fooled. And that just played into his game that he had been playing his whole life of he is, he's untouchable, you know? And in reality, he's a fucking loser creep porno fucking like who leather bounds their porno you fucking nerd like get the fuck out of here i just love that there are i I don't want to harp on this too long because we're already at so much like time but like (laughs) there's why are there so many men that their most likely first instinct to get out of a marriage is to murder their wives like wait did you listen to true crime garage yeah chris Chris watts did you listen to generation y on fucking jerry osborne not yet but i saw it come up on my literally chris watts was 2018 jerry osborne was 2017 why is this happening now we can list scott peterson drew peterson michael peterson chris watts Mm -hmm. there's fucking a gajillion more that have happened in the last less than 20 years these guys why is this a thing start cheating they want out their wife might be a little overbearing in some capacity Mm -hmm. whatever or they have kids they have responsibilities and they're just like you know what's gonna help me murder and i can maybe see not i can't see but like i can maybe fathom like oh there's insurance money or my girlfriend's pressuring me. yeah but like when it's just like I don't know. Oh, why not? <laughs> like, what the, like fuck? what the fuck? And, like, looking at this from us, we have, yeah, quote, unquote, normal brains. We don't have the brain of a killer. So we look at shit like this and we're like, you're not going to get away with it. No one gets away with it. But these men are so narcissistic, self-involved, maybe psychopathic, maybe sociopathic. I think narcissism is a clear yeah, trait in all of them. Definite. That yeah. they don't think that they think they're different. They think they're doing it the correct way. They think they're going to get yeah. off. And no one's going to so check my smarter. work's dumpster. No one's going to, yeah. you know, question where I was and my alibi. It's like, no, motherfucker. The system was set up yeah. to catch people like you. You want to hear about my pilot license story? Like, they don't give a shit. No. 
they think they can just get away with whatever. Oh. I, I just can't believe that that's like a common theme. Yeah. And that it's like still prevalent. And I don't even want to blame religion. It's raining. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I was like, right holy now. shit. Yeah. You're nice. welcome to borrow an umbrella when you leave. It's fine. Um, but it, I don't want to blame religion altogether for the no. Uh, I blame no the military and the authoritative or, yeah. stuff. Even though fucking religion plays into that and shaming you and making you do certain things and mm-hmm. you know uh, adhering to certain rules, just like kind of the military does. But uh, it's not all to blame, but it's definitely a factor yeah. because it is. It might have caused her to act a certain way and him to act a certain way to have an unhappy marriage because they mm-hmm. thought they had to do something that they didn't actually have to do. And it just led to a lot of demise. Tack on mental health issues. Yeah. Tack on the 90s. Tack on social norms. And that's a recipe for disaster. And it's like kind of the same question that uh, one of the guys posed in True Crime Garage. Like, what set Chris Watts off? Mm-hmm. Like, would this have been a person that would have murdered no someone no matter what whether it be his wife or like would this have been a person that a random person, murdered yeah yeah and it's like did was divorce is divorce so bad Scary. for these people yeah. that they are driven to murder or it was murder just kind of waiting in the wings and they were like oh my mm-hmm. wife she's inconvenient now so i'll just yeah. i'll just play out this fantasy i've right. had my own whole life on them just these narcissistic egotistical men that think the world is owed to them and any inconvenience in their way they're smart enough to get rid of it enough said i think that narcissism is the most likely thing because if he was a true psychopath he would have been smart enough to uh figure out a better way to uh Uh disguise that it was him yeah i think a psychopath definitely would have gotten away with it for at least longer Mm -hmm. if not altogether yeah he would have had they or if he was a psychopath he would have had a better plan yeah personally Wow, fucking poor Penny. That's, mm-hmm. she just didn't, it sounded like her adult life wasn't fun to begin with, and then it just ended so. And who knows, it might have been good for her, you know? I mean, yeah, maybe no, the marriage wasn't been great, but she might have loved the rest of it. That's true. That's me judging and being No, unfair. but it's not judging, it's just assuming because it's not something maybe you would want. Yeah. So totally automatically we're me. kind of like, oh, that sounds like it sucks, but I don't know. Obviously yeah. it wasn't great, so. I don't know what to think of Sarah. I don't. I don't even know. This I don't know weird. what. Yeah, Sarah's a don't weird. Don't write anomaly. us if you know any of these people. I don't yeah, fucking care. We anymore. don't give a shit. <laughs> Do you have anything else to say? I'm gonna read off the January victims list, and we can get the fuck out of here. No. Yeah, January victims. Cool. Um, unless yeah, no, yours was in February, so yep. I'm pretty sure I tried to keep this updated. Uh, January first, nineteen eighty nine, or January fourth. Sorry, nineteen eighty nine. April Loveless. Um, January thirteenth, two thousand three. Jeffrey Wright <laughs> and January 26th, 2015, Kristen Paris. So. Mm. I recommended the podcast to someone not too long ago and they were like, are there any, if I'm listening to this to clean, is there a particular episode? And I was like, uh, oh, to Jeffrey. clean. I was like, yeah, what? yeah. Jeffrey Wright and Angie Samoda. Yeah. That's probably our favorite episode. <laughs> Started out there. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, fuck. I don't know how to close this shit out. It's been too long. Um, thanks for listening. There you go. Rate, review, subscribe. Social media will have pictures mm. of the cases, the victims, all that stuff. We have a PayPal. Yeah. We've still got a PayPal. Um, yeah, I mean, fucking A. I don't even know anymore. We made <laughs> some merch. We have yeah. pins. But I don't know. If you guys want them, fucking, I don't know, send us a message on Twitter Insta- message yeah. Cassie on Facebook and let her know that you want something and she'll let me know. Yeah. And we'll figure out like yeah. 
I mean, we literally just want to cover shipping for it. So, you know, we'll ask that you donate like a couple bucks or whatever. But like, they're cool. I have them on my backpack. They're cute, tiny little Mm -hmm. pins. And yeah. Yeah. So if you want one, we'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll see the supply and demand situation happening. Right. This shit will either be coming at you next week again or it'll be coming at you the week after. We don't know. As always, send us suggestions to make our lives easier and uh, shit will come out faster. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, about, <laughs> I'm turning 30 next month. So what am I going to do for the birthday episode? Ooh. Hey! Something to look forward to. If you have a good birthday episode for me, send it. Yeah. yeah. And if you want to donate to the PayPal <laughs> next month for Hannah's birthday, it's all going to go to $30 is the minimum. Just kidding. 30 flirty and thriving. Let's get the... F- thriving Happening. under control am i thriving monetarily. am i not thriving you would be more thriving with free money coming at you very much true mm-hmm. do i have to wear the the sash yes but i'll soak it in blood first okay good okay. good good yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i'll That's... be like carrie prominent <gasps> in the bloody dress yes! perfect that'll be fine perfect <laughs> all right yeah we'll be back at some point with more texas true crime and uh, if, are we both i thought we both did that i don't even know anymore it's been too long you say it and if anyone's listening happy, happy halloween, halloween.